Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. And I'm JR. I'm JR. <laughs> you are JR. Where's Kevin? Kevin's not here today. Actually, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm not even sure Kevin was unavailable to record tonight because we talked about the morning. <laughs> and then we, uh, and then we, you know, postponed. I postponed. And, uh, you know, Kevin. he may have very well been available tonight, but he didn't see Dune, so it doesn't really matter. This week we're talking Dune, Jesus. Uh, which is the big release from a month ago now, and uh, and that <laughs> October twenty second, I think. And that tells you everything you and, know about uh, Kevin. Does he does he even take does he even take this seriously? His job, <laughs> film yak co-host. <laughs> well, I mean, he did just get a new actual job. That he's probably taking much more seriously than yeah. So again, the film you know, his priorities are out of whack. He's not right. He's not seeing the the important things that he should be seeing. I'm sure he had plenty of time to watch wrestling. <laughs> Am I right? Japanese wrestling. Yeah, and uh, but, you, you know, know whatever else he's in, weird niche stuff he's into. Japanese wrestling is anyway. It's just really good, like just stuff to have on in the background, you know. You don't have to pay attention. I, I guess. I've never seen Japanese wrestling. <laughs> I don't know. I used to sit in my room. Actually, I, had, I got in a fight with my dad when I was a teenager about this because I used to sit in my room for like three and a half hours on Monday night to watch Nitro, WCW. I was way into it. Like super Man. hardcore. It was like a ritual. That was... And he got really mad because he was like, you're never, out, you're never out here. We can't hang out. Like, we don't have dinner together. <laughs> Couldn't he have just like Look, man. taken away the TV in your room? Uh, I suppose he could. I'm glad he didn't. I suppose he could have. He never. I mean, it wasn't like he was. It, it sort of boiled to a head, and he was like a little upset about it. My man, you, you, you'd have to know my dad. He's very like laid back. So even when he gets angry, it's kind of just like, come on, man. You know, <laughs> like he's not like super pissed or anything. Anyway, uh. So yeah, we're talking Dune, Denny Villeneuve, uh, the unfilmable Dune, finally filmed, and yeah. uh, you know, I've also some other stuff we watched. This is again, it's it's a bummer that we're recording this a month after Dune was actually released. I've got this is a big deal. This is a big life event. I'm I'm pouring a <laughs> a Dune themed beer from a Denver craft brewery right now. And, is that uh, right? And hopefully, yeah, uh, from our mutual friend, you know, hit us up if you uh, if you want to sponsor the show. Our mutual friend, you make great beer. You know, I'm. Just, oh, that's the name of the brewery. Yeah. Our mutual friend. It's just a big old stout. Cool. I'm probably gonna be um, unable to drive after I finish this, and it's, you know, stout brewed with uh with the spice, which, come on, it's just cinnamon. So hopefully, I'm. Is it really like? I don't what know, is I don't it know. called? In in the movie? No, no, in the uh, the beer oh, that you're cinnamon. drinking. Are you being, they're calling. Yeah, you're being facetious. It's not actually Dune themed. No, no, it is Dune themed. This is this is it's uh oh. it's called the the gift of Arrakis. There's a sandworm on this can. This is definitely. I can't see the can. Where? Can you see me? Your camera's off. My bud. camera's off. No. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> How I thought I could see him. What a goof! I thought you were being bashful, man. No, no, I know oh you wanted God. me to see you. Oh, look, I got a. Oh yeah, you're in a different spot today. Yeah, I got a can right here. Oh, that's There's cool. The Gift of Arrakis. Yeah. Oh, that's lame. Cartoony? Not into it. 
not interested. It's a small, I don't get small into that operation. Shit. It's a small operation, all right? You could do a little better than that, oh, though. God, Come it's, on. It's boozy. Jesus. Woo! Yeah? Woo! <laughs> Let's go. I'm all right, well, I hope you enjoy it. I'm, I'm drinking uh, uh, A&W Zero Sugar, so that's my beer tonight. I mean, you know? You know that company does some good some good work. I love the uh, the Sunkiss yeah. Zero Sugar from the you know, love it. Zero sugar all the way. <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's start talking about what we watched. Jr. You wanna go first? Yeah. Man, I. I got. I just got weird, the past couple weeks. I watched a few 2021 movies, all of them. All of them pretty idiosyncratic. I'll start with uh with French Exit. French Exit it came out in um, like February March. It was like one of those like last couple weeks of the the extended Oscar uh, qualifying period. So they thought they could get Michelle right. Pfeiffer a uh, a Best Actress nomination. And um, <laughs> what a joke, dude! <laughs> dude, just kidding. Go ahead. She deserves it. She's good. She, oh, this, yeah? this is incredible. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is incredible. She is this. Uh, she is a a widow, a Manhattan socialite who has run out of her money. Lucas Hedges is her twenty something, just like good for nothing son. Like he's not like a total piece of shit. He's just like he is a wastrel, I guess. Um, and she decides to just sell her, you know, Manhattan house, whatever, and all the possessions, and just like. I'm taking this uh, stack of cash and I'm going to France until I run out of money or die, whichever comes first. And it's it's very this. I'm just gonna keep talking about Kevin since he's not here. Uh, this movie, I think, <laughs> could be pretty Kevin. There's there is some uh, some Wes Andersony type uh, tone and stylized dialogue going on, um, but I. I was obsessed with where this went. Like, the setup is fine. We're going to Paris. They take, like, a, an ocean liner to Paris. And once we're on the ship, things get weird. Turn Like, there's, like, some potential supernaturally, like, low-key supernatural stuff happening. Um, you know, there's a cat who's named Small Frank. And we know that Michelle Pfeiffer's late husband... Uh, is named Frank, and there's just like, all right, what's going on with this cat? Um, and once they get to Paris, uh, it takes, it, it stays weird, but it takes a turn, like where it becomes just about like this weird family that builds around Michelle Pfeiffer and Lucas Hedges, and uh, it is, it, it, it never stops surprising me, and uh, I found it to be very funny, and it just. I think I I was on its wavelength. It, I vibed with it completely. I love it. It's one of my favorites of this year. Damn. That is a glowing review. And I remember hearing about this movie and sort of being like, you know... I, Michelle Pfeiffer turns me off, man, because she's... Uh, I just... I, I don't dislike her in general, but... I remember the last thing she was in that I saw was Mother, and she was, like, terrible in Mother. This is, um, (laughs) yeah, this performance is the opposite of Mother. I mean, she's, she is a pretty hateful 
person in this, but it's very, mm-hmm. it's a quiet hate. Uh, she is deeply depressed. She is unhappy, and she is someone who employs biting sarcasm, but otherwise does not talk a ton. A lot of the acting she does is uh, through expressions and the way she reacts to the things around her. It's she she does a lot of work with her face in this, and it's I I don't know I I was blown away. I I can't remember her I ever will, being this good. Uh, I, I don't. Oh, nice. I will definitely check it out, uh, given that it's... I mean, you're going to put this on your list for 2021, then. Yeah, it had a... It was was a Toronto premiere in 2020, but, uh, you know, got the the U.S. release date in February, so yeah. Sounds good. I am going to watch that. Have you seen... I know it looks like you've seen Terry by Azazel Jacobs, the director. I don't have... A ton of memory of Terry. Um, I wanted to see the I lovers. Not liking it very much. At all. I want to see the lovers because yeah, I, I see like the lovers too. Tracy Letts. Uh, but I don't. Me I don't too. know if that's supposed to be any good. Uh, I bet if I watch Terry now, I would like it even less. Just like reading what it's about. <laughs> like Terry, no, a yeah, pajama-clad, disaffected like high school student. Nope. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I remember. Uh, disliking this in fact i get this confused with um the other john c Riley comedy of the time uh the one the mumblecore one with jonah hill uh you know what i'm talking about marissa tomei plays as jonah hill's mother and they like he she falls in love with i think he's i think john c Riley is the principal in that movie too on. um yeah it's a it's a duplass brothers movie <laughs> yeah right um, it was. Up, I saw it in the theater with a friend of mine. It's. It's like it's. It's Jeff who lives at home, but it's not Jeff who lives at home, which is the other Duplass brothers movie. Um, Cyrus. Okay. It's called Cyrus. There it is. Yeah, it's terrible. I, <laughs> as I recall, I don't remember liking this at all. That's but uh, anyway, um, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I'm gonna check out French Exit for sure, especially given that it's a 2021. I'm trying to see as much as I can. That looks. You know, interesting to me. You're trying to find your you know, your inspiration I, for this year, and it's dude, tough. it's, it's tough. brutal. I mean, my my top ten, I got no five so far. My top ten has three and a half in it. I mean, I this is no good. So I I think I've pushed the final three and a half out of my top ten. But I mean, I got no kidding. That's good for I you. I got man. three. I got three four and a half in at the top, and that. That's not embarrassing. You you know I don't ever have fives. There's not going to be a five. Um, <laughs> you don't have fives. <laughs> no, that, that number might as okay, well not well, exist on the skill. Uh, right. I only have I only have one three and a half. Actually, it's number ten. Sorry, right now, and I think it's gonna, definitely going to get pushed out because I still have to see Licorice Pizza and the Tragedy of Macbeth. So my my tenth movie is Judas and the Black Messiah right now, and I don't I just don't think that's embarrassing. Ouch. That's not embarrassing. That's my number two movie right now. <laughs> yeah, so like, there are nine movies I thought better than that good movie. Um, I think that's good. Let me ask you this, though. I've been meaning to ask you this. Is The Killing of Two Lovers on your list? It is, yeah. Okay, good. I'm just making sure that you're ranking it this year as well. Oh, yeah. Because it says 2020 is also, also. I wasn't sure if it was. Festival release dates aren't real. No, I US, agree with you. US I just release dates not- are the only thing that matter. 
throughout the world. I'm too lazy to actually look up when these movies came out. I just feel like I started hearing about Killing of Two Lovers this year, so it's a 2021 release. That's the way I look at it, kind of. Yeah. You know. Um, all right. Well, I uh, I watched The Spine of Night, which is the... Um, I believe we teased this on the last episode. Uh, it's a uh, rotoscoped fantasy film from... Philip Gillett and Morgan Galen King, and Morgan Galen King is the real sort of, I think, uh, creative power behind it. And uh, it's sort of based on his short film Exordium, which I liked a lot. And this I liked less. How but, how could you not? I mean, right. this had there was no way this could live up. You know, even if it was a great movie, it wasn't going to live up. It's not, I mean, I don't know that it, uh, I mean, it's not, It's. I don't think it suffers from a comparison to Exordium in its uh, material or like what it's doing or the story that it's telling. It suffers because Exordium is eight minutes long. And that's what, that's part of what makes it amazing. <laughs> so this is very short. I mean, this is, I brought this up in the text. I was like, over the course of 90 minutes, you know, we could have boring yeah. spots and you can't have that in eight minutes. I don't, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I definitely, there's not, there's not, there's no time when this film is just like completely at a standstill, I don't think. And it's told in vignettes. There's like three uh, vignettes, essentially, that are sort of all following uh, the central character. It's when, it's um, Lucy Lawless's character is telling these stories to uh, Richard E. Grant's character. And I liked all that stuff a lot. And uh, I liked the violence in it. I liked, I like Rotoscope. I think it could look a little bit better than it does. But, because, like, you, the things that he's obviously influenced by is, like, Bakshi, obviously, is, like, the main thing he's influenced by. And Bakshi's shit looks amazing by comparison. Did you, and the mean, did you watch some? I mean, I've seen, uh, just from what I've seen on, like, YouTube okay. and stuff, I haven't actually watched any of his films all the way through. But I'm just saying, like, the, the imagery, just the basic like stuff like he's shading things. There's no shading in this movie. Like the characters are not. There's no shadow in this. I mean, there's shadow in certain scenes where it's like appropriate for the plot, but main, like when the characters just walking around, like they don't they don't bother to shade them, which I sort of understand because it's like that's extremely time consuming. But I don't know. It's like it might have added a lot to it. Yeah. Yes. Um, again, it doesn't. Just another guy that doesn't take his art seriously. Yeah. Right, just like Kevin. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I I will say it's like it's like barely a four. Like I gave it a four, but it's like really like a three point seven five. And that's not to like talk shit about it or anything. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I would watch it again. But it's just you know, it's it's a nice start. I'd like to see like I like to see this guy progress and do you know more more features, perhaps. Closer to the eighty-minute mark would be nice. <laughs> you know, I think that's that's your sweet spot with this kind of animation. You know, 75, 80 minutes, still a feature, no, no shame in it. Uh, I mean, and yeah. Patton Oswalt, uh, his he, his his voice performance is embarrassing. I mean, he's Patton Oswalt. It's like hard not to recognize him, and he's like this, um, you know, uh, evil king guy, and it's just like it's that's Patton weird, Oswalt. I've been... I, I didn't buy it at all. I've been really enjoying him in the uh, Caesar Sportbook commercials. So that's surprising. 
<laughs> I don't see any commercials for anything. How are you seeing commercials? You have cable? Uh, when I watch football games. Oh, yeah. No, so like on. I don't watch football games. Like on and and also like Hulu. I don't. I don't have the ad for you. Hulu. Commercials on Hulu. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm a poor. I'm a poor person because I have. You. You on definitely Hulu. are not, and that's no. ridiculous. You. <laughs> that is. Absurd. So here's here's the reason. You... The reason we have ads yeah, on Hulu I, I is very specific. Mm. Uh, I don't pay for Hulu because, like, I signed oh, up I for Hulu when it was like a promotion, mm-hmm. like. Um, you can sign up for Hulu through Spotify Premium. So, like, I'm paying for Spotify Premium, which gives me ad-free Hulu. Uh, you know, Spotify Premium is like 10 bucks. Not I, ad-free, though. Spotify? Right? The Spotify is ad-free. No, oh, you said, ad, you said ad-free Hulu. Sorry. I, I just bought this. Yeah. It gives me the lowest tier of Hulu. Spotify Premium. Right. gives me the lowest tier of Hulu. And every time... We get mad at the ads, which is frequently. It's like Sarah hates yeah. them. Sarah hates them. Uh, and you know the They're ad brutal. the ad breaks keep getting longer because why wouldn't they? They <laughs> they've got us by the balls. Um, it's like we look at what it would cost to to like upgrade to the ad free, and it's like <sighs> like doing like another eleven dollar subscription on top of <laughs> the eight hundred eleven dollar subscriptions we have. I don't know. Worth every penny. <laughs> I, worth every I believe it every penny one day you know how many will... show and shit I, I subscribe to oh my god it's absurd you know I, I pay for YouTube premium to get no commercials I mean you know I've got Netflix I've got Criterion I've got Hulu I've got Prime I've got fucking I've got something else hang on Paramount Plus Discovery Plus <laughs> my god why do you have Discovery I mean Plus? I don't have cable though so you you apparently have cable no, no, I don't know I how you're watching football games you have cable no, football football comes on uh like Fox and CBS and NBC. Okay, so you're watching so just like the major games. You're not in, you're not interested in like uh so you know NFL NFL is all on like the major networks that I get through like the antenna, the digital antenna that I you know have pinned right. to the wall. Uh, yeah, right. college college football games. I have a an ESPN. I have someone else's ESPN account to watch college football. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's cool. I, I I would encourage you to not go commercial free on Hulu because once you make that switch, you will never switch back, and uh, you know then you're just going to be out that money. Can I just really drop? Can I just drop Hulu? Dollars. What am I? What am I getting on Hulu? I don't know what you're watching on there. It depends. I mean, I mean, so Sarah watches a lot on there because because we're watching the network stuff that we're not taking the time right. to watch at night. You know, watch watching it days later. Right. But shit, I don't know, man. Could I? Could I give up access to like the FX TV shows that I watch intermittently? Probably. I, yeah, I feel like I mean, FX is the only I stuff use I it, watch. I use it exclusively for Frasier. And here's the stupid thing. Frasier is also on Paramount+. Plus. Damn. But I have to have it. You know why? Because Hulu also released... Every now and then they'll have something like, um, like Devs. When Devs came out, it was on Hulu. Had yeah, to watch the, it. the FX on Hulu. And, the FX on Hulu is like right, exactly. that. TV is good. That's good TV. Yeah, fair enough. And Reservation Dogs is supposed to be great. I know. I watched. Uh, I watched the Kevin's first three been, episodes of that, and it was good. I will. I will finish that for sure. Yeah. I'll probably get into it too soon. Um, and then they had that nine eleven uh, miniseries that I watched four episodes of. I need to finish, but uh, 
yeah. So I mean, they have good stuff now and then. You know what your list? But, uh, you know what your list offends me. Like of how many of those you have, because you <laughs> yeah. cut out like you had this and you cut out the cheapest one. Like you cut out movie, which is like five dollars. Movie's a not month. cheap. What? No, it's not. It's five dollars for you. We talked about this. You, oh, okay. You've been grandfathered in because you've been a member for like twenty years. I stopped being a member when I came back. They had like doubled it. What is it now? Jesus. Okay. Never mind. It's like ten ninety nine now. Yeah. Okay. Fair it's enough. Out of control. I, I rescind. If it was my, still my five six bucks, I would have it. And I would definitely have it for five or six bucks because now they have the library, which is like yeah, the library is a game changer. Kind of undercuts the entire idea of it, but it's great, you know. I mean, but they still do the. They still do the yeah, thirty day windows, and a lot of like the movies that they show, don't stay in the library. But you know, I, whatever. Right. No, but it is nice to have the library. I mean, that's a cool moment. That's a cool idea. I mean, and I guess that's uh, probably why it's really, more really expensive. Awesome. Yeah, probably. I never should have canceled. I messed up. You know, I messed up. What are you gonna do? Anyway, uh, Spine of Night, solid, not amazing. We'll see what happens in the future. I I can't wait to watch. I I'm still excited. I'm excited to give this a three and a half. Yeah, you will. You might go lower even. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've been feeling I've been feeling like I've been watching generously. So even though you you listed earlier how many movies I've been logging, which objectively says mm-hmm. that I'm still watching a shit ton of movies. I feel like I'm watching fewer movies. Yeah. And I feel like I've been giving everything pretty nice ratings. Yeah, like like minus like a Netflix Christmas rom com or two that I watched. Right. Well I mean those, those don't yeah, count. That's it's almost a shame to even log them, but you have to. Yeah, you you do have to. I'm a man of integrity. I will not be talking about I've watched Lollard. five movies. No, I've watched five movies this month, is what I meant, you know, and it's like, and two of them are, or one of them, yeah, one of them is a Criterion uh, challenge, and then one, or, yeah, and one of them is, uh, where is my friend's house, so it's like, I just, I'm just not watching a lot of stuff these days, but Thanksgiving's coming, so, a lot of downtime. (laughs) That's good, yeah, you know, Thanksgiving is for watching movies, not socializing Absolutely. with one's family and friends. It's I important to remember hate, that. I hate the actual Thanksgiving event. I'm not interested. I, as someone who loves food, Thanksgiving, traditional Thanksgiving food is so not my thing. Like, turkey, yeah. turkey's fine. Do I ever need stuffing, <sighs> dressing in my life? No, I don't. Cram, no. Cranberry stuff? Get that away. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Green bean casserole, and they never make. No. I swear, I swear to God, it's like they never make. Well, for me, in my experience, every Thanksgiving I go to, I'm like, "This would be great. I'm gonna have a ton of mac and cheese." And then there's never mac and cheese. Like, why wouldn't you make mac and cheese? I don't know for the Thanksgiving dinner because mac and cheese is too. Um, mac and cheese is too flavorful. Italian. <laughs> it's too flavorful. Yeah. So for some reason, traditional Thanksgiving food is really just like the most boring. Midwestern food, yeah. all packaged together and served at once, and and that's a bummer. Yeah, it's disgusting. I, I mean, I'm with you 100. percent I don't. It's not the. It's not even the food that offends me, though. I, I I'm offended by the obligation of having to hang out with my family. I I like hanging <laughs> out with my family 
on my terms when I want to. But when it's like you're for, you know you're going, you have to hang out with your family on this day at this time. That just oh. really drives me nuts. I and can't stand it. And it's always show up at one so we can eat at two, but then also Ugh. food's not ready until four thirty. We're eating at six. Everyone's cranky because everyone. Like they didn't have lunch because they were supposed to have a late lunch, but now it's early dinner and everyone's just pissed. You know, yeah. someone's been drinking right. Nobody too ate, many beers nobody ate because they thought they were gonna. <laughs> you know, I don't have that issue. But someone, someone, none of my family drinks. Someone's watching football games, but then some kid like turns off the TV, and now we've got people shouting at each other over the dumbest shit in the world. I know. This is, you know, we don't the, have that issue either. I don't know anybody who watches football. None of my family watches football. <laughs> what is going on? No oh, alcohol. What's the football, no football game during Thanksgiving? Oh, the football game's not a local game, right? It's not like Saints or anything, is it? No, there are a few NFL teams that play every single Thanksgiving, though. And Texas A&M in college plays every Thanksgiving or every other Thanksgiving. So, like, in Texas right. A&M every other year plays LSU on Thanksgiving. So, oh, that's that. I'm usually I might see that, that at some point, but my mom will watch football. She she pretends to like it, but I don't think she really does. Football is fun. My dad doesn't care. Football is <sighs> fun, but it takes away it takes away from watching movies. That's the that's the problem with it. Exactly. You can't watch both. Exactly. It's gross. Okay. All right. Are well, we're, moving on. Yeah, we're doing. Sorry. Currently, Kevin is good at like raining, raining in the tangents. Jesus, <laughs> when it's Kevin and you, I I always you know I'm, I'm I'm always saying, okay, Jr. Kevin, you know, but it's like now it's just you, so I feel weird saying Jr. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't know, like somehow, somehow I'm talking to someone who doesn't like football, but I've now brought it up three times, so no more you, football. You love it. I can't be. You I know, do. I'm not offended. You I love do. football. It's all good. All right. I, um, I know a lot of. Uh, I knew another film nerd guy who loved football. It's weird. It's not that. It. It's not that weird. It's fun. I mean, it's weird to like. It's it's weird because they seem not to not to you know dwell on this, but like football, this quintessential American sort of macho masculine thing, seems sort of uh, antithesis to someone who watches Antonioni films, you know, and. <laughs> Okay. And it's like seeing, you know, obscure Indian cinema and shit like that. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like those yeah. two things go together. But you know, you're a complex individual, Jr. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. When you, you know? when you put it like that, I guess. So I was I was in the Memoria screening. Um, I guess mm-hmm. I'll talk about Memoria. I went to the Denver Film Fest and saw Memoria uh, last Saturday, uh, which was when LSU played Alabama, which is a a big deal every year for for college football fans from the south and mm-hmm. um i don't usually like silence my phone in the movies because you know what I'll, I'll get one text it'll vibrate like sorry it's on vibrate it's not making a sound in the movies but i don't ever like sh- put it all the way silence uh and i had to pull out my phone in memoria and like fully turn it off <laughs> because my friends were just oh, like good. talking, like chatting, chatting, chatting about this fucking football game that I was missing, and, and I, I chose to miss it. I was happy missing it. I was like, "Can I not get twenty-seven texts right now, please? That'd be great." <laughs> this movie is very quiet. Um, 
So I saw Memoria, uh, which is a picked upon uh, Weiris Ethical, uh, his, his new movie. And uh, it's the first time he has made a movie outside of uh, Thailand. I think he's Thai. I'm sorry if he's not Thai, but I'm pretty sure he's Thai. I think um, he said he was Thai on a yeah early on an episode before. I think I think yeah, I, I'm doubting myself. No, I, I don't know why. But um, it's filmed in Colombia and it's it's in Spanish and English and it stars Tilda Swinton, and uh, Tilda Swinton is a she appears to be a professor at a local university uh, who study studies the past she doesn't seem to be an archaeologist she talks to archaeologists um but she deals with the past and uh she starts hearing this very loud sound uh like in the middle of the night at first and then just occasionally and very inconveniently she'll start hearing the sound which is a a kind of like a bang like a, a metallic bang I think metallic would be a fair way to describe it. And um, she is sort of spends most of the runtime trying to figure out what it is. She's doing so in a very indirect way. And it doesn't ever seem like, like this hasn't like taken over her world. She's just like occasionally like, oh, I'm going to go. Maybe it's this sound and I'll look into it. Maybe I'll talk to an audio engineer and like see if they can make a track that recreates the sound and at the same time she's um she's got some family stuff going on her sister is sick um and she meets some people that bring her in odd directions and it's uh i thought memoria was very fascinating it was too long and probably too quiet and that's coming from someone who has seen most of this guy's movies and all of them are you know just over two hours long and very quiet um the the ending i think is almost like designed to to be frustrating it goes to a a pretty weird place but it goes to a, a pretty weird place that is so like sedate it's so it's so sleepy (laughs) that you almost like miss how surreal things are getting until all of a sudden it's way in your face um and and i don't know if like if having like tilda swinton there like makes it almost like like she's more she's familiar to me i i know her you know i'm familiar with her I'm familiar with Spanish. I'm familiar with English. Like they're not they're not foreign and exotic. It's almost like um, like like he's put his brand of weirdness in like a package that just isn't quite as weird. And I know it's offensive to say like the Thai language is weird. It's it's not weird. And just I hear it so little. I see so few Thai films. It just feels more foreign. Um, but anyway, this is a movie where, as I walked out, the guy in front of me said it was the worst fucking movie he'd ever seen. Uh, as he handed, like, his... Like, we had little cards to score the movie. He handed his card to, like, this poor volunteer, and was just like, that's the worst fucking movie I've ever seen. And uh, 
I have a feeling a lot of people are going to feel that way. I don't think it's the worst movie I've ever seen. I think most of it is really good, and I think some sequences are incredible. And um, I just spoke more in five minutes than there is dialogue in that movie. Do you think that that guy who saw it and said it was the worst thing he'd ever seen, like... It would, it would it would seem to me that that guy has no idea what he was going to see if he comes out with that. So, like, he, he probably, have to under, like, right? I mean... I don't know. So, it's fascinating. Uh, so, I got there early. They recommended getting there really early. I'm glad I did. I got, you know, I got a good seat. I, w- I was by myself. Um, and just as people filtered in, there were a lot of, yeah, I would call older people. You know, people... Uh, 55 to 75 who were having a lot of conversations is like they basically bought it, it sounded like they bought you know pretty much like weekend passes to, to the Denver, Denver Film Fest screenings and like these old people are just like talking about how many movies they've seen and you know they're talking about like how they're going to see hmm. Kenneth Branagh's Belfast uh, the next day because that was, was playing at the film festival and like that was cool to hear um so it seemed like a lot of people, I don't know if they knew what they were getting into, but it seemed like they were aware of like what the big movies of the film fest were and were making a point to see them. I don't know if this guy was one of those or if his wife dragged him there or something. I don't know. Um, it's because it's like, it's like, okay, when I, when I went to see punch drunk love in the theater, I walked out and I remember there were two guys and they were like, you win some, you lose some. I mean, like, and it was like a comment about Sandler, right? And I was like, well, obviously, they went to see a Sandler film and they didn't get that. And so they were, yeah. you know, not into it. But it's like, what are you going to Memoria for? Like, for a Tilda Swinton film? Yeah, like, this what, is what she does. What, t- like, what Tilda Swinton some movie? Of the time, you know? But even like the not weird Tilda Swinton movies are, are weird, like, right? She's weird. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like, and it's just like who directed. Like unless you have no idea what you're what you're doing. Like if you know who directed this, then and uh, just re- you would assume it's just going like to be read the fucking strange. Read the fucking synopsis. Like <laughs> it, it is not yeah. does not look like an action packed or even you know like necessarily like a, a linear or plot driven movie. I don't I don't know. It's weird. Um. Anyway, theaters are the worst. It's just it's <laughs> the theatrical experience. This I don't this know. is weird. This was the first time I had been in a theater that was full, right? So every every other movie I've gone to see has been pretty much empty. Like I I have the theater mostly to myself, and it, mm, everyone nice. was like, no one was. There was no talking. There was very little like concession chewing that I could hear. Um, you know, it was like it was a good crowd. It's just. It turned out a partially unhappy crowd, but yeah, uh, you'll you'll never see this movie though since um, what? So Neon bought the rights to this movie for American distribution. It sounds good. Uh, yeah, Neon is really good. Like they they have a deal with Hulu. Um, they put their stuff on Hulu after a shortened window. Neon right. Right. and the director came up with a plan this is going to be a perpetually toured movie they have no plans to ever oh release God. it in any home format um because <laughs> oh God. because and well and 
I was really annoyed with this. I'm still annoyed with it, but seeing it, it made sense. Like, the sound design is so precise and so good that they're like, can never be in a home. I, I don't know. It's bizarre. Give me a break. Like, movie. Just tell movie people wear headphones when they watch it. Movies distributing it through Mubi most of did? Europe. Yeah. So, like. How come movie? How come so Europeans can watch it on their phones, but we're not allowed to? No, <laughs> never. We'll never. Well, that's be able okay to watch because it. the second the second it drops in Europe, somebody will rip it I and know, I can I download know, it. Know. So no issue. You're not gonna gonna watch. This I mean, anyway. I would never do that. You're not gonna watch but, this. <laughs> I, I I do I do want to watch. Tilda Swinton chases after what a sound is. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm interested in that. I'm cool. interested there's in this a, director. I've never seen any of his stuff. I, there's a lot of cool stuff in here. And, man, this this guy has made some really good movies. Um, but, yeah, all right. I will, uh, I, I want to see, uh, I've been wanting to see Uncle Boon Me, who recalls his past lives for a long time. I can, haven't um, got around to it, okay? I can send you Syndromes in a Century, which I have right now, which is like... Yeah? It's just it really me. hard to find, um, impossible to find legally in America, uh, which is why I don't mind saying on the air that I have found a solution to that. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> I, I'm an American, I can't, coded I'm, language. Not a, I'm not allowed to see it, so I'm going to find a way to see it. Of course. Who would fault you for that? Nobody. All right. Well, uh, I rewatched Copland. Um, just looking for something to watch one night. Uh, I was streaming, and I was like, I haven't seen Copland in a long time. It's actually on my list of potential deep dives. Yeah, I'm but, surprised um, you did like, this. You you wasted it. Yeah. Now I'll never I see did. Copland. <laughs> no, you'll see it. I uh, I mean, because it's still on my list. I didn't take it off my list. Okay. I'll just have to wait a couple of years. <laughs> you know? I uh, Yeah, but I like Copland quite a bit. It's just a really solid, like, little thriller character study of uh, Stallone's Sheriff Freddie Heflin, who is a lovable loser who his bad ear stops him from becoming a real cop but he's elected sheriff in this town in New Jersey where all the cops who work in Manhattan live. And uh, they're all crooked. And he doesn't do anything about it because he's kind of an idiot. And then it takes De Niro coming in from IA, Internal Affairs. That's uh, yeah. that's jargon. That's lingo. Yeah, yeah. He comes in uh, yeah, Wouldn't have got it. <laughs> and uh, tells him, you know, you could help if you hear something or see something and... Uh, Sort of spurs, along with some other things, sort of spurs uh, Stallone to become the hero that he always was meant to be. And it's a, it's just a really solid uh, picture. It's really enjoyable. The acting performances are great. There's a really wonderful um, climax to this film. A climactic action sequence that is quite good. And uh, was a mainstay when I was a teenager in our uh, blood scene viewing. You know, would always bring this DVD over and watch the last ten minutes. And uh, it has nine actors who were on The Sopranos in it. Oh my god! I was 
just spotting them left and right. I mean, they were like everywhere. It was crazy. Like that guy's on the Sopranos. That guy's on the Sopranos. That guy's on the Sopranos. Some people who were just on like one episode, but like Robert John Burke is in this, who you'd probably know him if you saw him. Um, and he was uh, he was in one episode of The Sopranos as a uh, as like a pest control guy or something. Here he shows up here as Officer B. <laughs> pest control. So. Yeah, it's pretty... Or animal control. I think it was an animal control guy. Anyway, you'd have to see the show. You don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> uh, see the show. Yeah. Just kidding. The sh- oh, J- it's, J- so it's a JK. She's- I know. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a solid picture. I mean, it's not like, you know, a masterpiece or anything. It's probably... Let me look at Mangold. I think it's the best James Mangold film. Whoa. That I've seen. Whoa. Yeah. Easy, actually, easily Whoa. the best. Heads and tails above everything else now, he's, he's made. This man has two Wolverine movies. Two. <laughs> yeah, they're both not great, in my opinion. Um, I've only seen one, but I haven't seen Girl Interrupted. Maybe I... that's really good. I don't know. Man, if I've seen that movie, I don't remember it at all. But and uh, I didn't see his remake of Three Ten to Yuma either, that's which not, looked horrible. It's so. not good. It's not good. Yeah, and I don't like Walk the Line, and I don't. I liked Identity a lot when I saw it when I was a kid, but I'm sure it's atrocious. Identity plays really well for like a 13 year old who's starting to like think that they're smart. Exactly. Yeah, it it was good. It was definitely a formative like, like when I was getting into movies in high school. It was like one of those movies where I was like, "Yeah, this is a great film." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Before you know anything, you know, you just oh, think yeah. like this is like it's a, my favorite films are Identity and the Boondock Saints. You know, those are the greatest films ever made. Third, third one's you coming. Just don't know anything. He just he just announced the third what? Boondock Saints. Oh really? Yeah, that that psycho director's oh, out shit. there saying the third one's coming. Um, it's probably not because again he's a psycho, but. Right. <laughs> the guy is crazy. What's better? Did you see the Did you what? see the documentary of 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 that guy? The Overnighters called Overnight or Overnight? Yeah, over, just called Overnight. What's Overnighters? Yeah. Over, I don't know. Okay. Oh, the Overnighters is that that uh that uh rom com thing with about the swingers, right? <laughs> okay, maybe maybe I've confused those two. Uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen Perhaps. Overnight. Yeah, I liked Overnight a lot. Yeah, the yeah, Boondock Saints Part Three is on Letterbox. So, so what is? Oh, never mind. I was thinking that these two movies came out closer together. I was thinking Tango and Cash and Copland uh, were in the same decade. They're not. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. I've got I've got Tango and Cash from uh, Netflix right now. I'm gonna watch that soon. Oh, I, you know, I have a feeling you're gonna like Tango and Cash. <laughs> Wait, what? Because Twist. I think you're gonna like appreci- appreciate it on like a you know, goofy, like a, you know, like you like, uh, escape from LA, you know, it's like that. <laughs> it's, it's from a, it's not that extreme, but it's goofy. It's from a Russian director who has made some, some good, very Russian movies. Um, really? Yeah. Andre Konchalovsky. He made, I did not know that he made Tango and cash and, uh, and runaway train and went back to Russia <laughs> ever since. But, uh, Oh, that's really bizarre. I mean, Tango and a Runaway Train is uh, supposed to be good, right? Oh. You saw that. Is that good? I've not seen it. 
Oh, um, what's his face? Wasn't wasn't Eric Roberts nominated for an Oscar for this movie? I don't know. I think he was. I'm gonna add that to my watch list. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I watched Tango and Cash was a huge film when I was like a kid. I mean, we used to watch this shit all the time. Like, I had the VHS. I wore it out. I mean, it's very entertaining. It's like funny and action, and you know, it's but it's really stupid. Like. <laughs> It is not. It's not a smart movie at all. It's just oh. dumb as a post. Maybe I'll, I've actually uh, seen two, like three of this guy's films. It's really crazy. I saw his uh, TV movie, The Odyssey, with Armand Desante from 1997. Have you seen Siberiad? 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 Uh, Siberia? No, I've never it's, seen it's this. Epic. I've seen Shakun uh, Son Cinema, which he apparently has a. Yeah. His uh, his movie Uncle Vanya is uh, is very good. No kidding, I like uh, I like the play. Cool, all right, yeah. Watch, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on Tango and Cash. I'll report back. (laughs) I might have to rewatch just so we can talk about it. I feel I have seen it. I conservatively at least a dozen times. I've seen this movie. Looks just the poster is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I can't get over it. Okay, is it? Is it your turn? You know, you talked about Memoria. No, I talked about Copland. Copland is a four out of five. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that you gave. Yeah. Copland a higher score than I gave. Memoria. <laughs> Copland might be a better film. I don't know. No, I. I I'll mean, to... I'll, I'll I'll find out when you assign it to me. Um, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, it's Joel McHale time. Um, I watched happily, which was a, um, it's like a, a weird little sort of, it, it's a com- comedy. We'll go comedy horror, comedy thriller like that. Right. Um, and it's written directed by, sure. um, Ben David Grabinski, Ben David, all one word, um, which is really upsetting. I, I don't like this guy's name. <laughs> ben David. Ben Ben David. Ben David. Where, yeah, where do you put the act? Where do you put the emphasis on that? I don't know. Ben David. And it, it's written it's like, it's written like the way that like a, a Mick, you know, like like oh, yeah. Daniel like, would like, be. Like, yeah, it's capital David. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um, is he? He must be like a. He must be like a Jewish thing, maybe, because Ben means son of. In I know, huh. like they're like, in whatever Hebrew, I guess. So maybe it's like son of David Krabinski. Uh, ben David, I'm sorry for making fun of your name. I really like your movie. Uh, I don't know why your oh. name frustrates me so much. Um, but anyway, this is uh, this is about this couple played by uh, Joel McHale and Carrie Bishy Bishay. I I'd never heard of her before. Uh, she's great. Um, who, after like a dozen years of marriage, basically like just like, still fuck like bunnies. They're just impossibly happy. They're impossibly horny. They are, and, and they drive their friends insane. Like their friends who have normal marriages, normal lives, um, are like, what the fuck is wrong with them? They and, you know can't stand them. Um, one day their friends, Paul Shear and Natalizia, 
uh, kind of uninvite them from a, a couple's weekend vacation because their friends are also frustrated with them. Uh, and then Stephen Root appears at their door with a briefcase of um, shots, needles, what uh, syringes. There we go. There we go. Syringes. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Saying something has gone wrong. You you are like you you are a mistake as a couple. Two people who like don't have sort of like the sense of diminishing returns meeting falling in love and getting married is like putting the universe out of whack um tries to get them to take this uh shot of something that will make them normal people and um they say no and things go wrong and then they end up going on this couple's trip and um and then it gets weirder this is uh very much a comedy that is filmed like a thriller like really weird cuts meant to provoke suspense, a score that is meant to sound suspenseful, uh, and it is often used like like that kind of silly weird content with that film style is itself very funny. I this was like a a laugh out loud at an editing choice kind of movie for me. Um, hmm. It, once they get to the, the couples weekend, uh, people like Natalie Morales and Kirby Howe Baptiste and John Daly are just like, and Brecken Meyer in maybe the weirdest yeah. role I've ever seen Brecken Meyer in, uh, are just like, they're, they're just, they're, at, they're all at 11. They're, it's, they're all incredible. Um, these couples are bizarre. They are mean spirited. They are hateful. This is a movie. Um, you know, like when we watch, remember when we watched Coherence, my pick that you guys yeah. hated, and it's like a, a major, <laughs> major critique was like, these people aren't friends. Why are they so mean to each other? Why would they ever be together? This definitely violates that rule or like, but it, it, it makes sense. Like it's pretty explicit that they do dislike each other. Um, and it kind of makes clear that these people feel like they have just kind of ended up together and are stuck with each other as friends. It's too late in life for them to make friends. There's a lot of stuff with aging and relationships that is really cool. Um, the tone is really cool. The comedy works. The ending does not. It is actively bad. There is a really rough stretch of 15 minutes near the end that I think ruins the entire movie, like like brings the movie down an entire star. It and it's a bummer. Ouch. It's like, it just does not, does not land the plane. And that sucks. Uh, I think the first 75 minutes are worth watching, even if the ending is frustrating. Um, and this was a really, just a, a nice surprise and made me hopeful that, that whatever Ben David does next, you know, gets another draft for his third act and uh, it makes something awesome. Are you going to seek out his other, I mean, he's made something else, right? Uh, I think, I thought this was his feature debut as the cost of living a short. Oh yeah, it's a short. I could be, I don't know. You're going to seek out his short, the cost of living. (laughs) I 100% will, will not. Oh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Maybe I will. No. Yeah. Now you have to (laughs) see. And Brandon Ralph. 
Hey, yeah. you've got to, guy. He's, you know, he's like the best Superman. He's the best Superman. <laughs> he's really good in um, whatever that Edgar Wright movie was. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah, Scott Pilgrim. He's fun. He's fun. Um. Okay. Uh. Well, I guess uh, I only have one more before we get to yeah. Kuristami. So I watched. Uh, went to the theater today and saw Spencer. The new Pablo Lorraine, uh, Kristen Stewart vehicle, <clears throat> which has uh, much ballyhooed uh, about her uh, her her performance and her accent, and the cinematography won the award at uh, the Venice Film Festival, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it says so at the beginning of the film, like they have the uh, the plaque thing before the credits start. Of course Pretty they cool. do. Yeah, but um, yeah, and uh, I would say on that note. Uh, well deserved, uh, the best looking film of the year so far, like far nice. and away. Uh, looks amazing. It's shot. It look, I think it's shot in sixteen, um, and it looks really nice. Looks a lot like Jackie, but I think maybe even better than Jackie looked. Um, and I liked it better than Jackie overall. Although I am one of the people who liked Jackie. I know a lot of people like couldn't get into Portman in that role and stuff. But I think that uh, Stewart does a really, really good job here. In, I won't say that it's like it's not like a like the performance. I have issues with certain things that she chooses to do, but she, she, man, does she disappear into the role? Like I completely forget that it's Kristen Stewart. Like she does not look like herself. She sounds nothing like herself. She holds the accent together really well. There's not a moment where she like. You know, where you can hear the American coming through or that old voice coming through. Like, it's very, very um, skillful and impressive. And uh, she's... The movie's about these these three days that she spends with her... The royal family at this um, mansion in the countryside uh, during Christmas. So it's like Christmas is separated into the three days, like Christmas Eve, Christmas day and boxing day. And, uh, she's just miserable. And she's been like with Charles for however many years, her kids are like 12 and 13 or something. And, uh, she's just like, she's absolutely miserable from the very beginning of the film. And, uh, she's miserable because I guess, I think the film is trying to say something about like, the like how tradition can be oppressive and how nobody questions tradition and and because i mean a lot of the film is like her not wanting to do things the way that the royal family's asking her or wants her to do them and then them getting really really frustrated with her for not acting the way they want her to act and her sort of being just like unapologetically uh brazen about it like you know i'm not gonna fucking do it like you know what are you gonna do? And uh, and uh, and then she's just morbidly depressed the entire time because she's sort of stuck in this situation that she can't get out. She can't extricate herself from, and her kids are there, so she doesn't want to leave without them. And uh, and it's just like you know she's sort of in a just in a really rough situation, and she seems the film paints her as being mentally ill, like having issues. Uh, and I don't know how true that is. I don't, it doesn't really matter to me if it's true or not, but it's like, you know, I don't know that that's 
necessarily the case with Diana, but uh, this character that Stuart's playing, this version of Diana, is like seeing. She has hallucinations and she sees things and she's uh, she self harms a lot, and uh, she has fantasies of self harm, and she actually self harms, and uh, it's just a really sort of dark, fucked up uh, situation for her. But it ends in a nice way. It's actually really pleasant the way it ends. And uh, I liked it, you know. I don't think it's like a masterpiece or anything, but it's certainly, you know, very good, very watchable. Uh, and the performances are great. Not just Stuart, but Timothy Spall is sort of like the if uh, the closest thing to a villain in the film. He's a real asshole. And uh, Sean Harris is in this as the cook at the mansion. And he is awesome. Like I just, I just love Sean Harris, man. It's great to see him in something where he's not like an unapologetic supervillain. You know what I mean? I feel like every well, time you see Sean Harris, he's just like trying to kill people. When's the last time know. you saw? Sean Am Harris? I wrong about yeah. that? When's the last time you saw Sean Harris? The King, Mission Impossible. I mean, I, I don't know. These are the films that I think of well, when I think of Sean Harris. He was in the. Uh, he what was, am I missing? Yeah, he was the King in the Green Knight. Uh, which I thought oh, was a pretty right. cool role. He's like weird, and he's like weird in that too. Oh, he's though. I mean, he's very not, he's not evil or anything, but he's like, yeah. But that movie's it's just, and then I he fits in with the movie. Well, it's a weird fucking movie. Sure, we never did talk about that movie. We were waiting for Kevin <laughs> to see it. God damn it, Kevin! <laughs> Look, yeah. I mean, he was in Prometheus. He's a he's bizarre in Prometheus. I think he's the king. And uh, is he the king in Macbeth? Is he? Uh, yeah, he is. In the uh, it, Justin Curzel Macbeth. You know, so, I mean, it, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I, it's just a different role for him. I don't see him. He's not usually as sympathetic as he is in this role. Okay. This one, he's like very much like a likable, sympathetic guy. I remember he was very, he was, he was, he was a standout in Macbeth because he's weird in Macbeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just, I like Sean Harris. I don't love a lot of the stuff that he's in necessarily. Yeah. But I do like him a lot, he's and I like a, I liked him in this. Quite such a, bit. a unique voice. But uh, yeah, so Spencer, super uh, solid. Johnny Greenwood score is really good. I forgot it was him actually, and I was listening to it, and I was like, "Who the fuck did this score?" Because it's like really bizarre, and like it's like free jazz and shit, and uh, and like beautiful piano stuff, and uh, and then I looked it up after, and uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that he was he was like." I remember uh, reading about that he did the score for it, because I was like, at first I was like, oh, this can't be Micah Levy, because the one who she did uh, the score for Jackie, because like it's not weird enough to be her, but it is sort of like strange. Yeah, man, Spencer's uh, Spencer's good. Check it out. Get on it. Well, um, also I wanted to mention to you that, do you watch the show The Crown? No, definitely not. Okay, you're going to have to start. You realize that? No, why? Elizabeth Debicki playing Diana in the next season. (laughs) I do like her. I know, I don't make the rules, man. I like her. (laughs) She's very tall. She is. (laughs) Statuesque. I'd like to see. I'm curious to. I won't watch The Crown. Like I, even that won't. You know, I like to Bicky enough. But I mean, whatever. I'm not gonna watch a whole show. But I would. I would she's be curious. Gonna, she's to gonna win an Emmy for it. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I would be curious to see like a comparison of like Naomi Watts, Kristen Stewart, and Debicki, like their different takes on Diana, and see who does the best job. I'm so yeah. It's like I'm confused. Is Diana was she five one or was she six one? Because that's exactly. like those are the heights of the last two people to play her. Hey, and I'm, you I'm, know, and I'm kidding. Height doesn't who matter. Who knows? I'm not. I'm not mad that Tom Cruise played Jack Reacher. That doesn't. That doesn't. How tall is Princess Diana? <laughs> I should say was five ten. She was five ten. Kind of tall, almost six feet. That's, that's that's pretty tall. Yeah. It's Kristen Stewart's only five five. It says. Oh okay. I was. Yeah. <laughs> I I underestimated her height. Yeah. It's all good. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's Spencer. That's it. That's it. Yeah. We're Jr. Done. No, that's it. I've, oh, you got nothing I've left. Done, all right. I've you started. I forgot. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, where. Okay. Now, this is the point of contention immediately. Oh, is no. it where I, is I, my I, friend's house or where is the friend's house? Because I'm well, I'm very those confused. Aren't, those aren't the only two options. It's also okay. where is the friend's home, and oh, where my. is my friend's home. Oh dear. Which is it? The poster on Letterbox says where is the friend's house? Yeah. I like that title when, the best to be honest. I think hold on, let's let's see what the IMDb title is. Oh, it's the same. Same on IMDb. Must be where is is it what do you mean same as is in where is my friend's house or the friend's house? Where where is the friend's house? Okay. So like, it's I, the same as the poster. The The poster, I like that the poster and the letterbox title don't match. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. But it's I swear the first ridiculous. time I saw this, it was home. Where is... I didn't make this up. I did not make this up. I have to repeat that so I don't feel crazy. Maybe I made it up. You yeah, Wikipedia have. says, "Where is my friend's home?" Oh my! Oh no, that's well, a Korean. That's a Korean television show. Never mind. Never oh. Mind. <laughs> Maybe you were reading about the Korean television show, and you thought you were reading about this movie. I hope so. Yeah, I'm just. I'm, I'm gonna have. I'm gonna lie about having seen this movie, and you'll know when I start listing Korean actors as <laughs> having starred in this. I don't think you'd make a mistake like that. This is uh, so. This is from 1987, directed by Abbas Kuristami, and it's uh, the film that we had to watch because what Kevin beat us last week. I forget who the actor was. Oh, it was Memories. It was the director, right? Atomo. Yeah. And uh, so we watched uh, this film. This is a rewatch for you, Jr. Right? It was, yeah, rewatch. And uh, this is my first Kuristami film. And I honestly thought it was his first film, but he had been making films since like the early seventies. I didn't even realize that. But uh, yeah, this is like sort of the, I guess, the first big one that you hear about a lot um, because of Criterion mainly, I suppose. But man, um, this was isn't this like the third in a like an unofficial trilogy? I don't know. I don't know anything about that. It could be. That sounds. If you say it is, I would believe you. It's um, let's see. I just mean like I don't the the one the films I've heard about. This is one of the films of his I'd heard about. It's like the top Mm. four 
on a, on his letterbox page are the ones I've actually heard of, and 24 frames, obviously, because that's also on Criterion. It's like all the ones that Criterion has released are the ones I've heard okay. of. But uh, so this I is had the, never, you know. This is the first movie in what is uh, considered the, the Coker trilogy, which is, you know, like, oh, it is called right. that called that by critics you know after it was never called a trilogy by kirostano what are the other two uh, films life and nothing more and through the olive trees oh well i might have to uh might have to blind buy the coker trilogy or just watch all these on criterion (laughs) well there's a sale i'm trying dying to buy something at the sale but there's just nothing there's not you own them all no, I mean, or I don't, the things there's nothing I want to own, you know? Okay. I went to the store today and I looked and there's just nothing. I mean, there's nothing there that I'm like, oh my God, I have to fucking have this. Even, I, in fact, I, as I was walking out, I stumbled upon a rack of A24 release, not A24, um, Arrow releases that were 50% off also. And I was like, holy shit, they had 12 monkeys, uh, the 4K scan uh, for on Blu-ray, and they had mall rats. 4k scan on blu-ray and i was like oh i gotta get these and then i was like i picked them up i was like i'm not gonna i'm never gonna watch this shit you know like i've seen these movies a thousand times like i and i already own them on blu-ray like what am i buying this for i'm spending 40 dollars on this shit so i just put them back i was like these are not must-own movies and they had the dune um the 84 dune steelbook 4k for 30 it was 60 dollars but half price and uh, I was tempted to get that. And I don't even like that movie that much. So so why were you tempted, though? I, I don't know. It's because like, I wanted to have it. I was like, oh, this is so cool. It like looks cool. And it's like it's got features on it that I'll never watch. <laughs> you know? And the thing is... God, I love the features. I, like... Uh, man, the... Um, if there's no director's commentary, I don't want it. Have I ever listened to a director's commentary? No. But <laughs> gotta ever? have it. Yeah, of course I have okay. ever. I mean, <laughs> I used to be like know. a Kevin Smith fanatic. Yeah, I've listened to those. Oh, I've never listened to one of his commentaries. I went through a phase where I listened to all of the Tarantino commentaries that exist, which are all on the movies that he's written but not directed. So there's one on Natural Born Killers. <laughs> there's one on True Romance. That's and it's like, uh, yeah, and they're great. Like, because he's just, you know, he's fascinating to talk like to listen to entertaining to listen to is he like this i would have done this differently no he's he a little bit on the uh on the um oh and from dust till dawn that's the other one he uh he talks about i just remember the only things i really remember this has been a long time it was like 15 years ago when i watched these but i do remember that he says from and from dust till dawn he says that rodriguez like apes his style and he says he thinks it was like subconscious because he was on set and he thinks Rodriguez was like trying to impress him. So he was like doing everything the way he <laughs> Tarantino would have done it. So that's why he has like these, like these sort of like long, you know, still shots, static shots, which Rodriguez would never do, you know, normally. And, uh, and then he also said that, uh, he talks a lot about that, the Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken scene in True Romance. And he has like this big story that he tells about how he came up with it, and when his parents saw the scene and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's you know, it's good stuff. Cool. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of commentaries. It's been a little while since I've watched one. It's so hard because anyway, it's like it I, uh, I want to watch the film, you know, and then 
I, yeah. But then I'm like, you know, it's like, yeah, so I don't. But, You're you devoting, uh, you know, you got to watch the film first. And then that means you're watching no, the film well, again. of course. And who has time to watch the films again? Right. It's just like, I'll think like, I'll think to myself, wow, I really want to watch the commentary to Good Time. But then I think to myself, it's been like a year or two since I've seen Good Time. I should rewatch it. And then when I rewatch it, I'm like, I don't want to watch this again with the commentary. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just like, it's just a double-edged sword. Anyways, where is the friend's house? Yeah, um, this tiny Persian movie that has nothing to do with Quentin Tarantino. Right. It's as far away let's, as you could possibly it. imagine. I let's, let's liked this film. This film was good. It uh, It's about a, a little boy who lives in Iran, I think, right? Iran, right? They're Iranian, yeah. right? Um, uh, Coker, Iran. That's oh, right. Coker uh, isn't. That's right. They the mentioned Coker that trilogy. in the film. Um, this little boy who lives in Iran whose friend gets just eviscerated by his teacher in the opening scene of this film for uh, this, for not bringing his notebook to school or for not writing his teacher. homework in his notebook. Yeah, he's a huge dick. But I feel like I was looking at it, I was like, I don't know, is this like a, maybe that's, it's like a cultural difference or, I mean, I obviously he's portraying it to show that like the teacher is being a dick. Like I don't think for a second Kurostami's like this teacher is in the right here and this kid's a piece of shit. But no, I yeah, yeah. But I mean, I feel like maybe that, you know, like culturally, obviously the whole film is like the whole the whole thing with the grandfather, he talks about how like, you know, you've got to condition these kids, you know, you've got to make them do shit so that they know who's in charge kind of thing. Like when he tells them to go get cigarettes, he's like I don't even need the cigarettes, but he's going to go do what I tell him to do cuz he needs to learn. <laughs> and it's like that it feels like um that's part of you know what this film is about although i will say it's it's like that's a minor theme because it seemed it's more like a i really what i liked the most about it was that it was what it's about it's about this like really really simplistic story of this kid just trying to get his friend's notebook back to him and it's like this kid is the most altruistic human on the earth like he's just like he's risking his own sort of punishment to make sure his friend doesn't get punished which is just like really nice and sweet and it's like i don't know it's totally believable this the kid who plays the main uh little boy babek ahmed poor and i think his name is ahmed poor in the in the film also he's uh he's great like he's very very i don't even know and i was thinking about this too i don't know how they get the reactions out of him that they get when he's like talking to his mother and he says, you know, I have to go give this notebook back to my friend. And his mother's like, no. And then he, like, does the the classic, like, like he's, like, thinking about, like, well, what else can I say? And he's just like, I, I, I got to bring this back to my friend. <laughs> like, and he just keeps going, keeps going. It's just really good. I don't know. He's, it comes off very natural. Really, really solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the His whole trek to and through the other town where this kid lives is mm-hmm. is is great it's like uh, the the town is so confusing to me it, it, you know it's 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 a maze and you know it's like there the streets are are more like alleys like everything is like it's just a walking alley and there are stairs and there are some that are like broken up by like ditches like yeah. you have to just like step over like this cracked pavement. 
it's it's wild but i and i love like the like the adults like no adult ever listens to a kid in this movie like no one listens to ahmed uh ever it, you know they don't take what he's saying seriously um it's like you know the the old guy takes ahmed somewhere he's been before and he just kind of politely ignores that this has happened and it's like all right let's go back um <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a huge bummer uh but it's it's great um i like this a lot this is a a wonderful little 80 minute package uh, yeah for this little trek and and i love you know the hill that's on the poster that he you know he winds up the hill to to leave his town to go to the neighboring town which is on the other side like that hill looks awesome it it I think this movie looks great too. It's just all the as it gets dark in town, a lot of good shadow stuff going on. I like it. I was confused a little bit for a moment when uh, to the guy who builds doors, who wanted to borrow a sheet of paper from him, he kept calling him son, and I thought I was like, okay, this is this kid's father. And I was confused until he left. Until he started asking him, like, "Are you, uh, are you uh, Muhammad Reza's uh, father or whatever?" You know, I was like, "Really?" I was like, "Wow, what is going on?" But I liked all that stuff too. I liked when he followed him all the way back. Like when he was like, he's badgering him and asking him, asking him. He's just completely ignoring him. <laughs> he just gets back on his donkey and he follows him all the way back into town. And that's like really, it's almost comical but it is like sort of heartbreaking too when the old man leads him back to that door that he's already you know he already talked to those guys or he already he didn't talk Mm -hmm. to him he saw that the kid wasn't the kid and it's really sad and i thought that the tension in the last scene was actually really effective i fully expected that kid to get busted in that last scene yeah yeah you know and then i mean (laughs) look we're um I don't understand your job, but we are both teachers. Um, and just the idea that like this teacher has the power to expel a kid for missing homework three times. Like that's so weird. I would and, love and it. Just, and look, I, the education that we see, like at the very end, this guy, what this guy's going to take just like 20 fucking minutes of class. So just like, I'm going to look at everyone's notebook yeah, I thought about that. Give a check too. or say it shitty. I'm like, what a waste of fucking time. He's like, like yeah, he's like reading everything on their page one at a time. And I was like, this is insane. He's lucky that he can tell these kids to not speak and they actually listen because that's yeah. like chaos right there. <laughs> you know? Well, and also, you know, it would be chaos, but also that is a waste of everyone's time. Oh, for sure. It's a waste of the sure. teacher's time. It's a waste of the kids' time. They're just sitting there waiting. And so maybe the sitting there waiting is just to build attention, but whatever. It my, my teacher brain was going off in this moment. I mean, I thought I I thought about all those things, but at the same, but again, again, I was like giving it the benefit of the doubt from a perspective oh. of like this is just the way they do things there. I don't know. No, and, and <laughs> like, sh- you know, sure, and and also whatever. the the scene is effective regardless. For sure. I like totally both works. the I like the opening scene and the last scene a lot. So yeah, 
great, good uh, picture. I will watch more Kiristami. Uh, good. Uh, being that this is part of an unofficial trilogy now, I have to watch the other two, so that'll happen. I'm pretty sure all three are really good. Yeah, you gave uh, Through let the Olive Trees a four and a half. I did. Yeah, so that must be great. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to... I did watch um, Ray's first film. Or not... Was it his first film? The Apu? The first Apu film? Anyways, I watched it. Uh, Pather Panchali. And uh, I do... I didn't love it, but I do plan to rewatch, to watch the next two. Because they actually seem more interesting to me than this one was. But Yeah, I've... Um, yeah. I've always struggled with Pather Pinchali and um and like the other two more and like Ray in general a lot. I don't I don't know what it is about that like something about the pace of that movie really something I struggle with it, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh it's it's not really like it's not excessively long, but it feels longer than it is, I think. I mean, I didn't dislike it. I liked a lot, like certain things within it, quite a bit, and I loved the score a lot. But um, you know, what are you gonna do? I'll check out more. You know, this is a blind spot. Ray and Kuristami, these was are that, blind spots. I gotta. Was that your Criterion challenge? Yeah, this is my Criterion. I'm so far behind, dude. I gotta watch like during Thanksgiving. I have to watch like ten movies. I I mean I stopped I stopped watching him because I was like John and Kevin are never gonna catch up. So oh fuck like, off! Am I an ass? I mean I I'm an asshole for finishing. You know how so many I, do you so have I haven't left? finished yet? How I, mean, many I think left? it's still the last time we talked about. it, I think it was eleven, and I haven't watched one since because you know. Okay, well I think I only have ten now because I watched Pather Panchali. So you better uh, get to it, my guy. No, I kidding. could be wrong. I, about I that, will. Though. I can't even remember what I've got left. What I've got next? Who knows? You know the, the the problem with mine is is that some of the films I've left are like two and a half hours long. Like I have to watch Kagamusha. That's like three hours. Oh, shit. I lied to you. I've got um. This isn't good. I've got seven left. <laughs> oh, you're good then. That's not bad. Seven. I actually have fifteen. I was wrong. I have fifteen. And I, I don't. I think mine <laughs> are so mostly fucked. short. I mean, I, yeah, I've got like my next one's Varda by Agnes. I'm excited to watch that. Mm-hmm. I would be too. That's not on my list, but I would be excited. I have uh, I have Black Girl coming up, which is like less than an hour, so that's exciting. And Fireman's Ball, which I think is like seventy minutes. Oh. But then I have to watch Fireman's Woman Ball. Under the Influence, it's wonderful. which is. One of the influences is two and a half hours. Kagamusha is three hours. Yeah. You know I mean, that you didn't have to choose that Cassavetes movie. That's the one I haven't seen that I wanted to see the most. Oh, okay. So well, then, then you should watch it. Yeah. I do. I do. I want to see. I'm not actually. I'm not worried about that one so much. I'm more worried about like. <laughs> I'm worried about like Empire of Passion and. Tersu Uzala. I don't, you know, I don't like, what if I just start these movies okay. and they're just like a nightmare to me? I don't know. <laughs> Dersu Uzala is, whew, it's good. It's okay. Uh, good. Uh-huh. That's I'm excited. Empire of Passion. Is that 
Is that long? I don't remember that being long. It's not super long, but I mean, it's it's an hour and forty five minutes. But I mean, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know much about it. I like I like Oshima. What I've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're gonna be it's fine. Just, it's sort of I, it's sort of just like a blind. Like I don't know anything about it. So. I believe in you. You're gonna be okay. All right. Well, um, let's uh, move right along to uh, the, the 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 film of the hour, Dune. Too sweet to be sour. Um, this is a 2021 film by Denny Villeneuve, based on Frank Herbert's book, Dune. It stars Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Rebecca Ferguson, the guy who plays Harkonnen. What's that guy's name? Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. Baptista, whatever that guy's first name is. What is Jason that? Momoa. <laughs> I'm, this is all from memory, JR. <laughs> Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista. Like, hold on. You didn't have how much of how much of my beard? Oh you shut have? the fuck up. <laughs> I'm doing this all from memory, man. I haven't seen the film in three weeks, four weeks, so. Charlotte Rampling. Charlotte Rampling is in it for a second. Yeah. That uh I mean, that guy a lot of these people are in it for a second. Zendaya is in it for seven yeah. seconds. Oh, and uh, Javier Bardem. He's the big one that we're missing. Zendaya's in it for seven quick dream sequences. And, yeah. And a voiceover. A little, well, she's a little bit at the end. She's in like one or two scenes yeah. at the end. She has the last line of the film, which is... And the first line. That's true. No, she does not have the first line. Should we talk about that? Do you not... Re- do, wait, do, wait, wait, wait. Oh my god, JR. Hold on, I just watched <laughs> The first line is a voiceover and it's not her. It's uh it's a um it's a uh what do you call them? What's the what are the mercenaries corps or the are the Imperium Corps called? Sardaukar. Uh, god damn it. It's a, All right. Yeah, it's the Sardaukar guy saying uh life That's is a dream within shit. a dream or something. Yeah. Amazing. That's basically what what do you call um That's that's the epithet that doesn't count. That's bullshit. <laughs> a, I mean, you only know, has a line in the film. It doesn't count as a line in the film. There's right, been a I'm lot sorry, of speculation. No, it's all good. There's been a lot of speculation about who that is and what, because because apparently there's a character. I think they said uh, Leto Atreides, the clone of Leto Atreides, or Leto the Second, or whatever it is. I haven't read all the books. Late, like whenever the, I think it's Leto the Second, like the the kid who. Uh, Paul eventually has with Zendaya that he says those words in the books later on. Lots so saying of it's him. Well, I mean, what are you gonna do, man? I don't know. How, how do you how do you talk about this film without you know what I mean? It's like this What's, film. This film, did you read? The, did you read the first Dune? Yes. You did. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Jonathan has told me on multiple occasions what happens throughout the course of the rest of the books. So I feel fairly familiar. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just like starting out with that. So this film is the first, I don't even know if you could call it half. It's like the first two thirds of the, of the book. Right. I mean, is that fair? Maybe it's the first, maybe it's the first half. I don't know. I feel like there's not a lot that happens after, after he kills that guy, I, I um, 
a few weeks ago, before I saw the movie, I started listening to Dune. Uh, mm-hmm. it'd been, it's been a long time since I read it, but I got like four chapters in and I was like, I'm a, I'm just going to like watch it and not have, <laughs> and not be, you know, familiar with all the small details of the book and just fair enough. Kind of let that play. Um, you know, and I'll, 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 I'll pick that back up eventually, but I don't, I don't know if it's half or two thirds. Uh, this movie feels like a half, um, I really enjoyed Dune, but I really struggle with episodes of miniseries when the second episode isn't going to come out for a few years. <laughs> it's like that's that's a bummer. And like this this movie is intentional with where it ends, but like it also it ends with a moment that is so much smaller than much of the film that it it feels anticlimactic to me in the moment. Like the moment is important, and it's really important for, uh, for Paul, for Timothy Chalamet's character, uh, and that's cool. Like that's good character work. But as the ending of this giant blockbuster that has felt, it has felt giant in, in in these moments. It it was just kind of weird, um, and yeah, I struggle with that. But uh, again, I. I'm, I'm bummed that I have not yet had time to go see this in a theater because the, like the scope that Denny Villeneuve pulls off is is pretty impressive. I, I like how much space he devotes to like these spacecrafts that are, like these giant slabs of CGI concrete, uh, that make the the humans feel so small. It's uh that yeah. stuff is really cool. Yeah, I agree. I I mean I I think the movie's visually impressive. It looks looks terrific and uh he's using a lot of like uh i mean he's using a lot of cg but then there's also like practical like the the thopters and things like a lot of that shit's apparently like in the in the space with them and i think it you know it works really well and i love the design of most stuff in it i think it deals with the source material or like it visualizes the source material appropriately Whereas, you know, something like Lynch's Dune did not in, in a lot of ways. And uh, I do, I will say, I, yeah, I have, I have similar issues with where it ends and what it is, like how it is like half of a, it's just like half of a story and it's not, it does not, I like for me, it doesn't work on its own uh, as a film. Like if, and I, and I, and I try to think of it in terms of, someone who doesn't know what Dune is or hasn't read the book, I feel like they would be really confused and like would not get a lot out of this. And it's I've, bizarre to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, this movie has been popular. It's been well-received. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of interested in that without having read too much about how people feel about it. But it is... I, I really like that the movie throughout the first hour does not hold my hand and I feel like it, it moves pretty quickly for a two and a half hour movie and doesn't, it doesn't overly explain things. Um, and and I I know in my head, I've got six books worth of lore, you you know, and that lore is, is eight or so years old. And I don't remember all the fine details, but like, I definitely get what is happening and I feel like if my wife watched it with me, like she struggles with sci-fi anyway. It's like 
if they're if they're just like jump into things and the rules don't make sense in the real world she's like you have to stop and explain that and i I feel like she would have been driven insane by this movie uh like yeah even like him sticking the hand in the box like that she would have been like what the fuck is going on of course he's a human uh we all feel pain um and, and then just the way the way things move once they get to to arrakis like the only i feel like the only like direct uh, exposition we get is when he's like watching those kind of like 3d movie things yes that are literally explaining something to him um everything else is is kind of indirect and we have to piece it together and and that's great but uh it helps that i have read things absolutely i mean i think knowing the story ahead of time really uh, uh affects your viewing and helps you to like sort of understand things that aren't that are just going by uh that i think would totally be lost on a an ignorant audience like somebody people who have not you know read the book and have no idea and there's also like there's like plot stuff that I have issues with. I I don't want to like make it sound like I'm downing this film. I loved this movie. Like I really really enjoyed it, and it's like my number one of the year right now. I've got nothing ahead of it right for me um, on my list. Uh, I enjoy it quite a bit, but I but like there I do have a lot of issues with it, and I like the more I think about it, like they sort of are uh, stagnating with me, you know and. Like one of my issues is like plot stuff, and I'm not even sure if it's the fault of the film or if it's the fault of the source material. Because then I start thinking about like the logistics of the Emperor taking away Arrakis from the Harkonnen, allowing the Atreides to move in, and then and then helping the Harkonnen to come back to Arrakis to kill everybody. And I think about like what like what is that plan? Like it seems like kind of a silly plan to me. Like what is the point of? I understand well, the point of it, and like yeah. in terms of the emperor doesn't like the Atreides, and he's too popular, too powerful, and he wants to fuck yeah, him over and, and get rid of him. But Harkonnen it's like it just seems like a, clear. it seems a little convoluted. Is all it seems like there's a more direct way to get rid of him than to like trick him into coming to the plant. I don't know. It just seems yeah, really bizarre. Especially, especially like the way they say it I, I can't remember if it's like gurney or or duncan idaho that's like or someone says so he's chosen a side you know the, right. the emperor has chosen a side and, and maybe it's neither one of those shit sorry it's also been a while since i watched this uh i actually watched the first 40 minutes today uh and oh. then i had to stop for you know, just my my day my day couldn't take it um <laughs> So I don't, I don't remember who says that. So, uh, but yeah, it's all that, good. Somebody says that. I agree with you. I remember that stuff it. I mean, is, I... yeah, that stuff is weird. And that's, I don't have a huge issue with that when I consider like what go, what happens in Dune because yeah, there are some plot, you know, machinations to, to get Paul where he needs to be. And, uh, Herbert's got a lot to say with what happens uh with paul and the kind of messiah storyline um but yeah that stuff is not clear in this movie it's it's clear and i I like that they make it clear that paul really doesn't want to accept this role that a lot of people are trying to force upon him 
um, I think that stuff's good. I, I think the dynamic between Paul and his mother, Rebecca Ferguson is good. Cause even though he recognizes that like she like literally conceived him and birthed him as part of like this plan that he's not a part of, he, he has no say in his destiny. Um, that stuff is really cool, but, um, yeah, the, the greater like space politics, galaxy politics of what is happening is, is you you have to kind of just accept it as we're, we're going to get somewhere with this, even if it doesn't make a, a lot of sense in the moment. I mean, that's actually my, that would be my other issue. It would be that the fact that there's like, there's not enough of that in the film for me. Like I would, I would rather space politics. Yeah, I would rather have way more like. So you want this to be more like Phantom Menace? Oh fuck! <laughs> I mean, I, I to be fair, I haven't seen Phantom Menace in like twenty years, so it could be amazing. I don't know, but uh, and I do remember it's, the it's uh, Duel of the Fates uh, battle at the end being incredible. But um, you know, no, I just mean like the the I would rather spend more time. On Caladan, on Getty Prime, the whole shit getting to Arrakis, the 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 time when they when when they're presented with Arrakis at the beginning when the the envoy comes, that shit rules. I love all the world building stuff when they get to Arrakis, and not when they get there, but when uh, the Harkonnen attack and uh, there's like this coup d'état. It's immediately less interesting to me when Paul is like sort of exiled into the desert and he's with his mother alone. Like I'm all like, I'm immediately like taken down a notch. I'm like, I don't know. I, I was more interested in the, in the sort of, I don't know, like the Royal business of what they were doing there and the, the spice production. We have to get this off the ground. We've got to make X amount of dollars, like all that minutia and shit that they sort of gloss over. I could have done with a lot more of that. And I understand that's not what the film is about, but, and I understand that's not what the story is. Uh, but I guess there's just something about the the way that Arrakis is depicted in the you know third act of this film that's just not as compelling to me as the sort of grandiose sets and you know the ships that you were mentioning earlier and the shields and everything else. You know, it's like now we're just looking at brown desert for forty <laughs> minutes. And again, that's not you know through no fault of its own. I mean, it's just it is what it is. That's where the story goes, you know. But and there are scenes and there are those scenes in those in that section that I enjoy as well. Like I really liked the Duncan Idaho, his final sort of fight, especially when he like you think he's dead and he comes back, <laughs> pretty badass. But <laughs> but I mean you know Duncan I, Duncan was great. Duncan okay I, you know <laughs> uh, so, sorry the. I'm not. I like the character. Jason Momoa is great. Uh, He's the not character great. Character of Duncan right? Idaho is great. I, it, Jason Momoa is Jason Momoa, and and I think that's fine. And I think having a gregarious personality like Jason Momoa playing Duncan Idaho works. So I'm sure. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at it. He's not. He wouldn't have been my first choice. But he's not the worst performance of the film. Who is? Do tell. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious, but uh, it's got to be. I want to get her name. Hang on. <laughs> Dune. Sorry. 
Uh, is it? Are you going for Kynes? Yeah, it's the woman who plays Kynes is terrible. What the fuck is her name? Oh my god, Sharon Duncan Brewster. She is terabad in this. Like she's just the the I, way that she's delivering lines. It's like this, I did not this, note this. A large amount of uh, I don't even know how to say this. Like when like when she's dressing everybody up and she has that line uh, where she tells uh, she tells Paul, "You you're you're." You've done this before. Your shoes are slip fashion or whatever. Have you you've done this before? And he, she's like, no. He goes, no. It's the way it seemed like it should be. Which is all that's like directly from the book, you know. But I don't know. Yeah. Just like something about the way she delivers that line, I can't explain it. It's a nitpick. I don't like her. I don't like the. I don't like the performance. I I love the the death scene that she has. Spoiler. I love the sure. death scene that she has. But everyone, I can't everyone spoiler. Everyone dies. Just kidding. Oh well, well you know. But I can't stand her delivery of that amazing line. It's a great line. I have one master, and his name is Shai Halud. Amazing. Like, what a good line. And she's terrible. I, she's like, ah. yeah. <laughs> I can't stand it. And then the whole thumping thing with her arm, I can't. That's just like, it's so. Brutal. So where I stopped, I stopped right when Oscar Isaac says, I want to go see the harvesting fields mm-hmm. with... The ecologist right. kinds right. and through fear says he's here, um, and you know, so I I did not get to Sharon uh, Duncan Brewster Brewster Duncan I don't have that in front of me um, Duncan Brewster and and I'm not familiar Duncan Brewster I don't think I'm familiar I'm not with familiar her. with her either. Um, I did not you know but they say kinds is an eccentric and I. <laughs> I just let that's not. I just let her be eccentric. <laughs> not at all, and, um, and it's not a. It's not. I don't want to come off like it's some kind of. You know, they they changed this character obviously from male to female, and I have no issue with that. I could care less. But who gives like I, yeah, this guy being a, a, a man? Fuck. Who gives a shit? Yeah, no but um, I just feel like I don't know. There's just something about it. it's. It might just be a totally like personal in my head thing. It's just thing about her line delivery really bothers me and. I was just not into it, but um, and like sort of counterpoint, like Rebecca Ferguson is amazing in this. Like she's probably I, my favorite performance I love in the her. film. Yeah, she's great. She she gets things that I. She has to do things that I often would dislike. So when um. When Charlotte Rampling shows up in the beginning and makes Paul put his hand in the box. And she's like feeling Paul's pain and like going through the prayer of like having no fear, right. that kind of thing is like, if you just describe that scene to me, I'd be like, oh, that's going to be awful. Like, yeah, it could be cringy. Got, yeah. Like, like her, like reacting in pain to her son's pain. I was like, that's just, it's going to be like, that's just gonna be like the lamest shit. And Rebecca Ferguson uh, pulls that off. Rebecca Ferguson pulls off. Uh, everything in this movie she even pulls off the scene where she does like a little sne- like like sneak when they're ch- like changing clothes with her son uh, oh yeah a little bit of of Oedipal, uh romantic sure. moment going on which is really weird uh but again this story is really weird so it's yeah there's a little bit you might be reading more into that than there's a she she doesn't Why even look i mean she like Why thinks she about peeking? glancing 
But why is she thinking about it? I mean, I don't know. Good looking kid. No, uh, <laughs> well, it, the the relationship like this this is a, a very strange mother son relationship. So sure. I, I'm kind of kidding about like the edible romantic part mm-hmm. of that, but that there is like sort of a look thought going on there uh, is just another weird moment in this weird relationship. And, and again, Rebecca Ferguson pulls off all weird moments in this movie perfectly. I love her and she should be in every movie uh, except for reminiscence because that's a waste of her time. That was a bad movie. She didn't think so. She, she thinks it's great. I'm sure she's only uh, 12 years older than Chalamet. No shit. Is, yeah. Chalamet was born in 94 and she was born in 80 or 95 and she was born in 83. So, she's not not very old at all. Um um yeah, that I, I guess I guess okay, okay, having said that I like Rebecca Ferguson in the film quite a bit. I think she's very very good in it. I think she's she, if there if there's a standout performance in the film, it's her. And I say that's my other uh issue with it. If I have one more issue, Sorry to have so many issues. If I have one more issue with this film, it's that there are no, like, that performance was fucking amazing. Like, I really thought there was going to be, like, I thought Skarsgård would be, like, revelatory as Harkonnen, or Chalamet would be, like, well, an incredible Paul Atreides, but they're just sort of, like, it's just sort of, like, paint by numbers. Only, to, you know. But, but, but Timothy Chalamet and Rebecca Ferguson are the only two people who have enough screen time to even have, like, a... Yeah, I agree. Performance. I agree. Like, but at that, the I mean, end of the day, but that's a choice you could have had. You could have given. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. More screen time, Every you know? everyone else is like glorified cameo status, and I think Scarlett. I don't agree with that. Scenes not, not, are effective, but I mean, uh, Oscar Isaac is in this film quite a bit. Momo is in this film quite a bit. I think that Brolin okay, I mean, is a glorified uh, cameo. But uh, so I guess. <sighs> Sorry, uh, Oscar Isaac and and Momoa, like they both, they disappear for such long stretches, um, and, yeah, and as dictated by plot, like, and that's not just like Duncan Idaho's dead half the movie. He's not, but he is, he is away often, um, and Oscar Isaac actually. I mostly liked him. Uh, Oscar Isaac, I think, has the goofiest line delivery. He has the goofiest line in the whole fucking movie. Um, Desert power. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, bad, man. It's just, it's just weird. It's like, our Caladan, we cultivated air sea and power land. Or, uh, and sea wind and, power. Sea and air power. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. And it's just. Yeah, we. It's just like desert uh, power. It's it's so I, you don't, bizarre. You don't, I don't. I don't have an issue with that line inherently. I have an issue with the fact that he doesn't explain what desert power means, like what he means by that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, are we just supposed yeah. to infer that it means it means we have to be able to maneuver in the desert? Like, well, I mean, what I mean, you know, what does that mean? it means you you need thought. Well, it's like, like yeah, that's all. That's all of that course. really means, right? We just need air power, which we you just said uh, we have. Like I thought, it's, I, it's I, weird. I, but when he says desert power, like I would think he's talking more about like you know, like we have to manipulate the land to make it, you know easier for us to you know whatever do whatever we have to do on it get the spice and kill the worms etc 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 um but you know but back to like the glorified um 
cameo idea. And, and you're right that they're they're more than glorified cameos, but the, the featured players are they are only featured players. Um, I I do think you know someone like someone like Javier Bardem who gets to enter a room and just like spit on the ground like a psycho. Like he gets to make his presence known in a way that many others do not, and that's really cool. Um, but the, these other characters, they they kind of just like we get teases of them. Like they're they're intriguing. I and I want to see more of you know um, David Dasmalkian. Oh um, yes, very much. Who you know who plays the the Mentat? Who um, Piter? Like Piter is is like a he's like a fucked character in the books and, and I really enjoy him. Uh, and, and they don't even like end up explaining what mentats are, even though they, they hint at it, uh, with, uh, through fear, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, uh, who yeah, also the, is, uh... is fine in his short role, mm-hmm. small role. He does uh, the but, uh, know, calculation it's... in his head. Yeah. Like, like I think we're going to see more Piter. We're going to see more, uh, Skarsgård. Well, actually, I mean, you can't see more Piter. Eh? Yeah, does he die in that? Like, he dies in the book. He dies in the. I mean, I don't know if they bring him yeah, back like, right. in a later book or something. Right there. No, you're right. He dies in that from the thing. poison. I just, I don't think you see him fall, but whatever. You do. Yeah, he he's probably when they're do, closing the door. He's like grabbing his throat and he falls down. That's a bummer. That's a waste. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. We could have had more with him. That would I mean, cool. I'm glad that they. Um, I mean, they they completely invent that scene when he goes to visit the Sardaukar. That's not in the book. Mm-hmm. So they, I like to. Say, I mean, at least they gave him something else to do. You know. But you know, so, But again, uh, sorry, I chose the wrong character there. That we won't see more of him. We will see more of. Yeah, we'll see many more of these Arconi people sure. in another movie, and hopefully they'll have more significant roles, and they'll get to do. You know something that can uh, can impress us. I don't, I don't know. at the end of the day the next movie is very much going to be a a timothy chalamet and zendaya movie but or should be those two people's Uh, movies but uh, okay let me just say no 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 no, you know you're no you're absolutely right i don't i don't i mean (laughs) the movies are so it's it's like the avatar sequels like these like these 2024 Three, right? Is that what they said? This movie's coming out. Like, I don't. They I could care less yeah. at this point. I cannot even begin to care right now about the sequel. But uh, as soon as you know, they start. If, when they start filming it, I'll start to actually think about it. Which I think they're starting in like June of next year to start filming it. Um, but that's. But as as like a, we're sitting here reviewing it. It's like it's hard not to think about the future because the movie leaves you with. No, I agree with I agree an incomplete with story where all I I'm can not do saying is we can't about talk about it, Jr. I'm just saying like I just not. It's not something that like like Dayton was very very excited when they announced the sequel, and I was just like, it's two years away. Like I don't know, who could who could care. I mean I don't. There's like a million movies between now and then. I cannot dedicate my energy to caring about Dune two right now. When it's when it's on its way out, I'll be very excited in the months leading up to its release. <laughs> you know, I want to see it. But uh, the only other thing that I have an issue with, and it's a, it's a very nitpicky, but uh, I love the opening scene of this film. The way that uh, like that's another expositional thing when Zendaya is sort of explaining the Fremen Harkonnen yeah. relationship on Arrakis, and I think it's a good way of doing that uh, by having this sort of 
which I suppose is supposed to be like a Chalamet's dream sequence, really. But um, yeah. And the the way the Fremen are hiding in the dirt or in the sand, and they like jump up and they stab the Sardaukar, and then they're shooting the you know the spice harvesters and blowing it like terrorists. You know, it's really cool. And uh, I felt that you know later in the film when the Sardaukar are coming into the like underground Fremen layer thing. It's like whenever they're infiltrating before they fight Duncan Idaho in that in that hallway. Well, that yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay, and you know the Fremen are like, like all around when the, he's like, still with Kynes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're all like drinking tea or whatever, and then it cuts away and it shows the Sardaukar like entering, and then it cuts back to them, and you just see like the cup like half buried in the sand, and they had all van- all the Fremen had vanished and like buried themselves in the sand. But the way that that, like, for me, it's just, like, that's a such a cool idea, this idea that they, you know, bury themselves and, like, jump out and kill you, you know? And I felt like that's done in the opening. Don't go back to it. Don't do it again. Like, it just, it's completely, go back to the well one too many times. It's just, like, I don't know. It's just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. It felt like a very, like, action-y, like, um... It didn't feel as as understated as the rest of the film is attempting to be. Yeah, Not that the, I mean, understated might be the wrong word. Artistic. Yeah. I don't know. Like the you know, it seemed very like the, Hollywood. You know. <laughs> so agreed, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we were fucking watching. Uh, and right. doing, I mean, shit. This movie does a a pretty good job for much of its runtime to like hide that this is, of course, a, a soulless Hollywood blockbuster. Um, <laughs> but, like. Shit, like I was as I was watching the beginning today, I was like, so much of the beginning, like we see visual things that come back later. Like, like the first time I watched it, like, did I give a shit that Timothy Chalamet was like reading a book about still suits? No, but and of course, like, it's like it's very like we lay the groundwork for for the things that come later, right. Yes, we yeah. we have the way the Fremen can hide and jump out, so we can use it again later. We have Paul looking at the still suits, so we can make sure there's like a a visual reason why Paul will know how to put on the still suits and can be complimented and can seem like the Messiah because he knows how to put on clothes. Um, it's you know it, it's very like writerly in that way. Um, Thank you, Eric Roth. I don't, but see, I don't see the the Fremen thing in in that way. That's like as if that opening scene is there to set up that the Fremen are able to do well, this I one maneuver. I feel like it's, it's more like there, it's more to it's... set up. It's more to set up that the Fremen are like badass and like invincible warriors. Like they're the best warriors in the galaxy. Like they're better than the Sardaukar, and I like that idea. And I just feel like I don't want to see them do the exact same maneuver again. Just like I don't want to see Timothy Chalamet have a vision of himself doing like you know uh, parkour in a battle sequence with two knives. It's like it, which is like far and away the worst part of the entire film. It it was the worst looking part of the entire film it, for sure. It looked heinous, yeah. And, and that's it's such a bummer that they put out in the trailer, you know, because yeah. even when that came on the trailer, we were like, that doesn't look good. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm glad it's a vision that will that probably... Yeah, it's, it lasts like eight know. seconds, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look great. That's okay. And we got over it. How do you, um, how do you feel about the pronunciation of 
Harkonnen. How they say Harkonnen in this film, whereas in every other thing that's ever been, they say Harkonnen. Uh, I think that, um, I don't know. I, you know, they got the two ends there. I, <laughs> I think it's fine. Um, it bothers me a little bit. It, I prefer Harkonnen. It feels yeah, more I mean, I, um, sinister, you know, Harkonnen, you know. <laughs> I definitely have said it in my head like that. I've said it when talking to other people about the Dune books the way that um, yeah. is incorrect, yeah. whatever. I do not uh, care. But um, you gave this movie a higher rating than I did, so you presumably yeah. liked some of it. I loved it. I have lots of positives. I was going to get to them now. <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, I again, I agree with you 100%. I like that the idea that they don't hold your hand. Uh, like, that's not a criticism, the idea that this movie doesn't work uh, for mass audiences, it's just an observation. I don't think that, like, you know, whoever I don't I don't want to say my parents, my students wouldn't watch this movie and get anything out of it. Like they'd be confused and they would hate it, you know. And uh, but I like the idea that it's just kind of like it's going along and it's giving you sort of just enough to understand the basic plot, but you're not understanding anything that's going on behind the scenes. You don't know who fuck Charlotte Rampling really is. You don't understand any of the Bene Gesserit shit. You don't really you you know that Harkonnen's bad because he looks bad, but and he's Harkonnen. you know he's gonna go kill everybody. But like you don't understand a hundred percent like what the motivations are for any of this and or uh, why he is a slug. Why he's yeah why he's uh you know got built-in hover devices in his spinal cord, <laughs> which is a great way to visualize a really silly idea that's in the book. Uh, the you know these uh, these hovering things that are around him that are lifting up his fat, like I I thought that oh, yeah. the visualization of the visualization of Harkonnen is great, really really good, and I like the apocalypse and the obvious apocalypse now uh, reference shot where he's like touching his his bald head, he's like rubbing his hand on his bald head, amazing, <laughs> uh, you know I love that shit. Um, those, the, I love those the way fat they suit fingers. Yeah, it's great. I did think the fat suit. <sighs> If I had a criticism about it, it it, it, it sh- came through a little bit in certain shots. I was like, ah, it does not look like a real fat person. But, you know, it didn't look bad. Just but, like, but he also just doesn't look human anyway. So I... That's true. I don't They're all that. hairless and, you know, I guess uh, because of what Getty Prime is. But um, I really like the way that the voice is portrayed in the film. Like how, especially when Charlotte Rampling uses it on... Paul at the beginning and it's just kind of sort of like the editing of him just being drawn to her and on his knees and I love the scene when Ferguson uh, <laughs> uses it to kill the Harkonnen captors in the uh, Harkonnen Harkonnen sorry <laughs> in the uh, Thopter sorry. a great scene a great scene in the book but also very like very well done in the film um, I like how um, I like how ugly the voice sounds yeah like, it's like I, demonic. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure they would go that aggressive, or if they would just kind of like add like a deep layer of bass to a normal voice. Uh, you know, so I, I'm glad they went aggressive with it. Um, the. This is something. Okay, I'm I'm embarrassed, but I don't care. I'll I'll be embarrassed. I did not understand 
upon watching this, even the second time, what I was seeing when he has these visions of seeing the Fremen guy that he ends up killing. There's uh, scenes yeah, throughout his... the film where he's like talking to him and stuff. Well, and I didn't understand that. It makes I it get sound it like Jameis is going to be like a friend. Right. I, it's mis, it's misleading. And but, Okay, continue. Sorry. Well, I didn't even... Okay, I, well, I'm really embarrassed here. <laughs> I didn't even see it as misleading. I just totally... Like, by the time the end of the film came, he kills that guy. And I was just like, yeah, that's what happens in the book. He kills that guy. I remember that. And I totally just spaced on the fact that those other scenes existed. And then I was talking to Dayton, and Dayton was talking to me about, oh, that's like those are like the future perspectives, you know? Like, he's he can see different possibilities in his future and those are all the different possible. I was like, that's, and that's great. Like that's such a cool idea. And it's so subtly done that even, that even yeah. I, who know what's going on, I missed it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I think it's great, you know, but uh, yeah, I totally missed it on both watches, but I think watching it a third time and knowing that will really enhance my viewing. So <laughs> I didn't Going love back to the theater tomorrow. I didn't love the actor who played Jameis either, to be honest. But again, I don't know that it's necessarily his fault. It might be just the way the lines that he's given to, like when he says, he, "Where is the out? Where is the outworlder?" And I'm just like, he's you're wow. literally standing like seven feet from this guy. Like, what, what do you mean? Where I, is he? Like, he's right there. <laughs> he's right there. I. It's like, what have I seen that guy in? I feel. Yeah, he looks really familiar. I don't know. Uh, I he I he's another guy with like a really unique voice and. I thought he was really fascinating, uh, just as he, he as was like in a Wrath visual of Man. presence. Oh my God, yeah, what you saw that? Who the fuck was he in Wrath of Man? I don't know. He was uh, Mogi Magi. That's not Mogi? gonna help. No. Um, turns out, I can say this now uh, that it's been uh, about six weeks. Wrath of Man, pretty forgettable. I yeah, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Okay, he's also in, you might have seen this, he's also in Black Mirror, Black Museum. Did you see that? No, I've I've only ever seen like the first ever episode oh, okay. of Black Mirror. Well, that's, didn't he's like been it, in some so other stuff too, continue. but nothing Yeah, ever. whatever. I, look familiar. I, I liked him, and sure, ridiculous line that you gave there, but... Uh, Where is the outworlder? Yeah, he's terrible. No, I mean, it's just I, a bad line. He's He's fine in the movie. I like him. He's good in the in the in the possible scene, like the possible futures scenes that they give him with with Chalamet. Oh, that's how I know him. You too. He's in Too Old to Die Young. The Refn series. You saw that, right? Yeah. We forced you to yeah, watch that. He's Damien in that. That's that's definitely where I know him from. I was like, he looks so familiar. I must have seen something he's in. Uh, I'm not gonna remember who Damien is. Um, well, he's, I think but, he's but, like the main, the but, drug dealer guy who's like the, okay. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay. Anyways, I also, other things I liked the sign language, love the sign language. I don't know. I don't recall if that's oh, yeah. from the book or not, but I'm pretty sure it's I, not. Yeah. I really thought that was cool. I liked when she was like, um, when she meets, when Ferguson meets Mapes for the first time and Mapes is like, you know, like out of her mind doing all that screaming and shit. <laughs> and uh and she presents her with a Chris knife and everything. And I like yeah. how I like how she's like doing it behind her back to the guards to tell them like what's you oh, know, yeah. how to behave. That, That's amazing. That shit's good. That's good. Uh yeah, that 
I was I was curious about the uh, the sign language stuff because you see her using it. You see her using it with the kind of guards or military presence around her. You see her using mm-hmm. it with uh, Paul. Uh, but I'm curious, like, is that a Lady Jessica thing or is that a an Atreides thing? Like, I don't think we see Oscar Isaac using it. It's got to be like a Bene Gesserit. But, it, but yeah, okay. you're right, though. If the guards recognize it, though, that does that's weird. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't know. That's strange. Regardless, uh, you know, it gives me... If I've got questions about it, I find it intriguing and it is yeah. really cool. And then the other, the only, the other, the only other note I have is that uh, I I do not love the way that they use the shields in the film. The shields don't seem to work in the movie at all. Like, the, what is the point of the yeah. shield? You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't. That is almost like a filming issue. Like, you know, they establish with the the gurney, Paul, you know, scrimmage at the beginning that like you move the blade slow. Right, it penetrates a shield, but like when Duncan is just like wrecking dudes at the end, yeah. you don't see him moving the blade slow. Never you see him moving the blade really fucking quick. Um, and and all the I fights just, during the film. I mean, when the when the yeah, coup it, happens, I mean. So it's almost like they just kind of fail to to visualize that part. Uh, um, and you know, I don't know. And and I I like that. I like that the shields give a reason for guns not to be like an effective hand-to-hand like just regular like every person have a gun kind of thing sure like so we so we do get the actual hand-to-hand fighting um but yeah you're right i think that the problem that they could run into i don't know if they even discussed it but the problem that they could run into with the idea of the shields is that like we have this idea in in Hollywood that if okay so we're going to have an army with swords fighting another army with swords then it should look like Braveheart you know like they should just two groups running into each other but if you, then you have to think about the logistics of well okay what if they're all wearing shields where you have to move really <laughs> slowly to get in then that's going to change the dynamic of the battle right and then it's like maybe you don't want to get into all that you don't want to think about it that hard and also the fact that you know that seeing Momoa beast through a bunch of Sardaukar in a hallway is way more interesting and entertaining to most people yeah. than the alternative. So, yeah, you're right. But, but, uh, you know, I would have preferred that they did something. I mean, I would have preferred they just not even explain the shields if that was the case, if they were going to, I don't know what the point is of saying of that exposition line by Brolin. If that's not the way the shields are going to work in the rest of the film, but it's a small thing. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I um, there were a few dialogue bits I wrote down as working better for me the second on the second time through. So mm-hmm. from from the beginning, since I've only seen the first forty minutes of this movie twice. Um, but when the when the delegation arrives from the Imperium to sign over Arrakis, and you know. Leto signs, or not signs, but he, uses you know, he, he does thing. his ring seal, yeah. and he's like, "It's done." And the guy who, who you know has overseen this says, "It's done." Um, 
I thought that delivery was very good in a foreshadowing sense that I didn't notice before. Um, as in, you know, f- fate is sealed kind of deal. You're, you're done, um, bud. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, 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 I detected some, uh, some tones there that I didn't see the first time. I like that. That's good. Um, I really like, you know, Paul, Paul knowing or kind of figuring out what the Bene Gesserit are and like the first time, like he gets off the ship and they're calling, um, what they call him, like the one who sees, like the Lizan Al something. Lizan Al uh, Gaib, something like that. Lizan yeah, and I just really like his, like that, like that he understands propaganda, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, they see what they've been told to see. Which, you know, we know they've been told what to see by the Bene Gesserit. I just, for some reason, really like that Paul understands this. Um, and I just, you know, I like, in general, him trying to push himself away from the Messiah narrative that he will get trapped into. Uh, and then, you know, the the trees. I think the trees are a waste of time, but also good. I don't know. A waste the, of time like logistically the, for the for the Atreides, like, you mean? No, no, like well, both. Like for the movie to spend three minutes with these trees oh, is probably yeah. stupid. That scene but is I also pointless. really I enjoy it. I mean it's yeah. I I like the you know, the twenty trees, five like the water Yeah, they would represent keep men. five men alive. It's so it's a hundred lives a day to keep these twenty trees alive. Um, and when Paul says, shouldn't we remove them? The guy's yeah. like, oh no, these are sacred as in men's lives are not, uh, but these trees are, uh, I, I really enjoy that. And, um, I enjoy that the Atreides want to be more connected to the people and have an alliance with the Fremen, but they're still rich idiots who don't understand that this display of power is so offensive to people who do not have water who do not have yeah. that thing that keeps them alive liked it a lot yeah i liked i liked when a trade when uh, paul said the the line should we remove them i liked i liked his delivery of that line i uh yeah you know i mean overall i like i say i gave it a really high rating i really really like it i just have a lot of little nip, sort of nitpicks and and problems with it and i've had a lot of time to think about it yeah and, and uh it could go down on a rewatch i don't know but it's uh it's solid i really I feel like i've it. sounded more positive than you i've i gave it a lower rating than you and uh <laughs> i just have all these issues i mean it's like those issues only end up detracting half a star because in the end of the day, I find it to be like really good looking. It's really well shot. Greg Frazier, the cinematographer, great, great cinematography. Um, I think the visual effects are beautiful. I think it's very, very entertaining. I'm not bored for any of it at all. Yeah. Um, and I love the, I love the source. I love Dune. I like the, I, I like the story. I like the idea of it. I was sitting in the theater with Jonathan and, when it cuts to that that wide shot of Getty Prime and it says Getty Prime, home, home planet of House Harkonnen, 
we just looked at each other and we were like, Harkonnen. Fuck yeah. You know, yeah, no, Harkonnen. We're it's like, <laughs> fuck yeah. Because like, we, we always talk about how, how cool the idea of like Getty Prime is. And it's like this weird, like industrialized planet where, you mm-hmm. know, and we even talked about that whenever they first showed the images of, um, we first saw images of, of the Beaster Bon and, uh, and, and Vladimir Harkonnen, uh, we talked about how you know they must look that way because like their planet is so fucking polluted that they they you know their their fucking genes are corrupted and they're just pale and gross looking and it's amazing and he's like taking a, a motor oil bath at one point to to, get, to recover from the uh, poison which is awesome and I loved uh, that's another thing we haven't talked about the big scene in the movie is uh, the, the poisoning scene which is like really well done. Uh, and I love the whole like when he like how uh, Leto gets him closer and he turns his shield on and all that stuff. Oh, it's just really really good. So <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. It's very good. It's excellent. It it's won't good. be it's, number it's one hard to by think the end of, of the like, year. I guarantee it. <laughs> it's hard to think of a better example of 21st century blockbuster filmmaking. This is a. Uh... This is this is cool. This is a cool movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think about. I guess I I think most people, my, a lot of people might say something like uh, Mad Max, uh, Fury yeah, Road would I, be would be I'm on on par. It's definitely with this. up there with me. I yeah. almost like I almost don't think of that movie as being like so, which is stupid. This is wrong. I'm like, well, Mad Max Fury Road isn't for mass audiences. It absolutely is. It. Well, I say it's more. It's, yeah, I would say more so dumb. than Dune is. <laughs> like yeah, I, I don't. I don't know why that 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 idea opinion I have in my head. That's just wrong. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, no, it's 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 basically this in Fast Five. You know, <laughs> that's it. Fast Five. It's this and uh, Rise of Skywalker. I mean, let's be honest. Just get a little, get a little blood flowing in our in our, in our few <laughs> listeners. They're going to be really angry. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's great. It's good. It's really, really good. I'll. Uh, I hope. I. I look forward to rewatching it when it's available physically with a really good 4K print. I'll buy that and watch that. And I do look forward to the sequel, ten years from now or whenever it's coming out. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't uh, what Denny Villeneuve he referred to the timeline as a burden. <laughs> oh, yeah. as in like two, two years to the release date is too soon. Um, oh, really? That, so, see, I mean, so, and I could see, I understand that, that mentality too. I mean, they've been working like, on the, they worked on the first one for a while. Sure. So, I, but know. it's like, I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I just want, I like, obviously, you know, I want the film as soon as possible. I also want it to be good, so I want it to take more time. So Catch-22, what are you going to do, you know? I'm less concerned about, it's not something, it's just not something I'm thinking about very much. I'm not, like, looking forward to it that much. I want to see it. This isn't, yeah, I'm not 14. It's not the Revenant part two, you know? This this isn't, like, I remember, um, remember seeing Spider-Man 2, and being so disheartened when I like learned that it was going to be like three full years until Spider-Man three came out, you know, that incredible movie, Spider-Man three that I was really like lusting after. Uh, I'm not, I'm not in that place anymore. Like I can wait patiently. It's, it'll be okay. We have a, I don't know. 
I should mention this. I, I'm friends with this guy on Facebook uh, who lives in the Philippines. And I'm pretty sure he friended me because he listens to the show. I'm not 100% sure. He never talked to me or anything. He just friended me one day. All he posts about is Dune. Like, every day it's like, I bought this new Dune-related item. Like, I bought the art book, and I bought the soundtrack on vinyl, and I bought all the figures. And he's seen the film nine times in the theater. Like, out of control. And it's like, that's the kind of guy who's going to be super psyched for the sequel for the next two years, solid. And I just, I don't have that kind of passion for it. There's, I'm more looking forward to, uh, you know the rest of the films for this year, like uh, Power of the Dog and Licorice Pizza and The Tragedy of Macbeth, which will all, I'm sure, usurp Dune as my number one film. Okay, well, I mean, don't be sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Let's 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 hope that one of those lives up to expectations. You heard, you, you saw the text I sent you guys about uh, the reactions to uh, Licorice Pizza I... calling it God tier. <laughs> Which, you know, that doesn't have to be a positive. Saying it's God tier PTA. Um, How would that could not be, be a just positive? saying it's so aggressively Paul oh, Thomas I Anderson. I guess. Like, I like, I th- like God tier PTA could be Magnolia. And, like, Magnolia, Magnolia does not work for me. <laughs> oh, I love Magnolia. Magnolia is my favorite one of his films. I was kidding. I mean, he hasn't made a movie like Magnolia in a while. and He won't. Whatever. You know, I think I, I I think what he's been doing recently, not that's not fair. What what he did with Inherent Vice and with what looks like this movie is like where he's com- he's sort of like it's almost like he's combining his original mission statement with the newer stuff that he's been doing. Like it's like way more, I don't say way more, but like a more uh, understatedly shot films, but still with like a weird subversive bent. You know. Like this well, movie you know. does not look like, like it does not look like, uh, Boogie Nights, and they're both set in the same time period, you know, like cinema, cinematographically, they don't look the same in my opinion so far, based on what I've seen, based on the trailer. Yeah, let's. It we'll, looks more like know, let's, the, let's the, watch the, it. The, no, yeah, for sure. The trailer looks more let's like you know, Phantom Thread or The Master or something. We're just from we're a cinematography watch this bitch. standpoint. We're gonna watch this bitch, and it's gonna be okay. All right, so let's uh, let's play Letterbox Roulette and wrap her up. It's just right. me and you. Um, let me get Dune up here. All right, so we got Timothy Chalamet, Ferguson, Isaac, Zendaya, Momoa, and Skarsgård. A perfect, perfect. Uh, dice app is open. Just so you can see. Here we go. Ready. Oh, fuck. Why yeah. is it always the same number as what it starts I on? I don't know, but you're fucked. I'm fucked? Who is it? Ferguson. Oh, Ferguson. I probably am fucked. <laughs> okay, I'm fucked. You've seen all these movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> God damn it. You've seen... Ugh. You've seen The Greatest Showman, haven't you? Of course I have. It's garbage. Oh, my God. Why would you watch that? <laughs> That's a that's a that's a wife one. Sarah really wanted to see that. We oh, I mean man. we generally like musicals. We didn't really like The Greatest Showman, but um, she liked it more than I did. Uh, well, you, I know you've seen Doctor Sleep and Reminiscence, so you're way ahead. 
I've only seen four. I've seen Dune, The Mission Impossible films, and Life. And I've seen The Kid Who Would Be King, bitch. You didn't see Life? No. Should You're I have? fucked. Yeah, Life is decent, man. Okay. It's an, it's an enjoyable, Sorry. like, alien, you know, action thriller weirdo. Rebecca Ferguson's in it, so. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a random number now. Uh, from 1 to 3570. The number is 887. Eight, eight, seven. Ugh, I'm one page away. It's on page nine. I got it. Okay, the movie is... Oh, it's Jonas Mikas. Oh, it's like nine hours long. So it's as I as I was moving one. ahead, occasionally I saw brief glimpses of beauty, which I actually wouldn't mind seeing. But I definitely that's a I lot know, for homework. Yeah, I don't have time for this right now. Um, so we're gonna have to go again, generating again. Fourteen eighty nine. Fourteen eighty nine. That's being garbage right now. Got it. It's uh, Graveyard of Honor by Kinji Fukasaku from 1975. Yeah. It's about a Yakuza. He did a lot of Japanese gangster movies. Cool. You haven't seen this either, so uh, I'm going to watch it. I don't know how because it's not available anywhere. Hang on. Yeah, it's available now. It's available on the Arrow streaming. <laughs> I'm sure I could rent it. It's not a big deal. Um, we'll, yeah, it's rented. It can rent it we'll on figure it Apple. Out. We'll figure it out. Sure. So, yeah, we're going to be watching Graveyard of Honor. Or I'm going to be watching Graveyard of Honor. Sorry. I will be watching Graveyard of Honor. Whose pick is it? Uh, it was yours. Kevin's pick last time. It's mine? Yeah. Are you sure? No, that, no I'm not okay, sure. But that I'm going to. I have right. a list. Well, I have the list of. Our watches for 114. Did I make you guys watch something? No, 114 was memories. That's Kevin's big. Oh yeah, sorry. 113. You watched us. Yeah, 113 was Odd Man Out. Okay, yeah. So it's my pick. Okay, cool. Oh shit. Well, I gotta figure out something <laughs> to watch here. I haven't even thought about it. Sorry. I have a list. I'm just gonna go to it. I'm gonna say the first thing I see. Okay. <laughs> Copland. Copland. <laughs> Copland. I actually had something that I was thinking about earlier today, sort of absent-mindedly thinking about um, making the pick, and I totally I don't. Oh, that's what it was. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna watch 15 minutes, which is assuming you have not seen that, because I that's one of the first ones on my list. So you might have seen in that by now. Who knows? You're like that. You'll just randomly log something and never mention it. No, you haven't seen it. Okay, it's 15 minutes. It's directed by John Hertzfeld. It stars Robert De Niro and Edward Burns. It's from 2001. And uh, I don't know you're how you're going to feel an about Edward this one. Burns movie? 
uh, well, the John Hertzfeld movie starring De Niro and Edward Burns, and Charlize Theron, and Kelsey Grammer, and Avery Brooks, and Vera Farmiga, and Kim Cattrall, and David Allen Greer, and Roseanne Barr. I don't remember Roseanne Barr being in this, actually, but... Um, Anton Yelchin. That's a little boy. Uh, this is a movie that I watched like 900 times in 2001, so I'm excited to revisit. And I, I honestly, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about it. It is uh, not at all what you might expect. I, some, I mean, I, I never heard of this, so I don't, I don't know what to expect. It makes some weird choices with uh, in the in the action thriller genre. So, I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm jazzed. Psyched. Cool. So we're gonna be watching 15 minutes, and uh, I will be watching whatever movie it was we just talked about five seconds Graveyard ago. Graveyard of Honor. Graveyard of Honor. And uh, that's it for our show. Thanks for listening. Kevin will be back next time, hopefully. Uh, visit our website at filmiacpodcast.com. Write to us, filmiacpodcast at gmail.com. Instagram, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc., etc. Oh, and uh, hey, our mutual friend, Denver Brewery. That beer was good. Feel free to sponsor our podcast. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> sponsor our podcast. All right, so that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Goodbye.